Broadcasting live, this is KMA Talk Radio. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of fine cigars. I like to smoke them like the Winston Churchill. Good morning. Welcome to all our loyal fans, libertarians, and lovers of the leaf. I am your host, Honest Abe, with my trusty mates this morning, the Southpaw Philly himself, Alex Tavella. See that? Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Got, yeah. He got it right. He got it. You're right. <laughs> before the show. He's we talking practiced like, before like the three show. years ago, like count. after when I just met him. No, I'm talking like last week when you got here. Five minutes ago, he said it wrong. Correct. I heard Thank him. you. I I should should have, purpose we should have recorded the outtakes. That was sarcasm. <laughs> and our other uh, trusty uh, co-host, uh, what are we going with? Pumpkin Spice Paul? Is that what we're going with? I mean, this time, this that's, time I mean, that's my vote. The Italian <laughs> scallion, I mean, it's all it all works. <laughs> I like the Italian scallion, but... Listen, you, know, you, know what the, you know what the Italian scallion is from? Rocky. I know, but we're, they didn't call him the Italian scallion in Rocky. Oh, it was so. from... a. Mad Magazine, when they did the parody cartoons from movies. Oh, the Scallion. Oh, really? I love Mad Magazine. Oh, my God. That's I didn't what know that's that. from, the Italian Scallion. I was going to come on the show today wearing this. I Why? It from, because I bought it from Italy, and because I thought, if you're going to call me the Italian Scallion, he, I should wear my yeah, he, uh, Fiorenza hat. He feels like it makes him look more Italian. <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> I don't it's know. It's almost... Hannibal Lecter-ish at the end when he's walking around. Alex, Alex, and his and his friends would call me Menegon, right, Alex? Is that like yeah. fake Italian? We're the Italian. Yeah, we're the like, Italians like, that turned into white people. Yeah, it's American. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's an American. Yeah. I just call you the Hebrew Italian. That's all. <laughs> well, I'm from New York. Speaking of that, man, I wonder is anybody is anybody even uh, kept up with the Hebrew Hammer? Is he still fighting? I have not. Oh, do you know him, Alex? I know who he is. I I haven't seen. I'm Sleeton, a boxing guy. Hammer. He was on. He was on KMA yeah. show twice. Yeah, yeah. yeah before me, him. and when we tried to reach out to him, I I think I still have a contact for him. I don't know if it was an email or whatever Emily gave me. We couldn't get in touch with him. Yeah. Because you wanted to have him on again at one point. I well, was I afraid because I thought you had a big fight coming up at one point, a pay per view yeah. fight. A belt fight, so we wanted to see if we can get him back on. For whatever reason, Hebrew, we couldn't get him the on. The Hebrew Hammer, that's what it was, the Hebrew Hammer. Yeah, the Hebrew Hammer. Cletus, yeah. Cletus, uh, Cletus. Selden. Yeah. The Hebrew he, he, Hammer's he, name is Cletus? Yeah. Yes. Cletus that's not Selden. a Hebrew name. <laughs> he, he did, he did uh, one of our Punish the Producer episodes. I know, where he, that's why I didn't want him to come in, because I thought he'd he want to He did a full-blown gut shot to our old producer. Like a like real gut shot, man. I, how he didn't crap in his pants after that punch, I have no idea. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it was like, he didn't even, like, hold back. Like, he totally, like, you know, wound up. Hit him right wow. in the gut. Hey, well, I'll tell you what. He he won his last four fights by knockout. So, he might no, be still hammering away. No, he's a legit boxer. I just didn't know if he had retired yet or is he still fighting. I is he of an older no, persuasion? February 28th was his last fight. 
for boxing, he's coming towards you know, you know the the twilight years of his career. I think. Yeah. You know, thirty. He had him on the show six he's seven years ago. Right. Hey, yeah. hey, Kevin Shahan said Valerie could probably find him since I couldn't find him. Uh, you know how? <laughs> already it's let's starting. Be, let's be honest. Val did more work <laughs> prepping for the show than you've probably done in the last year. I, listen, Ouch. I don't think Ball Val. Do you do you not think I was busy this week? Do you think it was that easy of a transition for all of us? I I definitely had to be involved this week. Not not Val is awesome. She's gonna be great. But I, <laughs> she's still you know I spent hours working this week. If you notice, Paul didn't discredit my statement. Listen, no, man. Some people are better at, at certain things than others. I can admit that. And I, I would I'll, contest the yeah, hours yeah. working statement too. <laughs> I, I clock in and out. I, I keep. Track yeah, I, I would contest the whole. I spent hours working on it. Yeah, <laughs> I do too. Completely. <laughs> Paul, Paul's like in a time continuum. Hours is like seconds, minutes. Right. Dude, a lot has happened since we've been here. So yeah, it's been I, two weeks, we, right? We have to talk about one big story out there. President Trump contracted the coronavirus. I yes. don't know. Is that a big story? I don't know. I feel like the fly is the bigger story. Yeah, know. seriously. <laughs> yeah. Listen, say what you want to say. I, mean, I, I could care less that he contracted it. You know, I mean, he no, got it. It happens. Like, He's a human being. Like, like people are going to get it whenever or not. But what I'm, impre- what I'm impressed with, you know, and this is not pro or anti, just literally impressed, is that the next morning he tweeted it. Because you know, like ninety percent of the people would have never let that out. Hold on. Right. Here's what I here's what the rumors are saying that it that it got out across the White House and it was going to come out as a rumor and he wanted to stomp it before. I bet they would have kept it a secret if if it wasn't you know if it didn't become common knowledge around the White House. All that is such hypothetical bullshit. First off. No one gives a shit about the truth anymore. All he had to do is get on camera and say, it's not true. It's a lie. And everybody would believe it. No one believes. No one knows what the truth is anymore. They deny everything. They, they, could, be, they could be on video saying stuff and the next day deny it. And people believe That's it. That's true. Just, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's the true. fact that he tweeted it or whatever. I, 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 I was surprised yeah. that he said that he just outright said it. I mean, listen, look at all the video footage there is, and they're denying that Biden has any kind of mental faculty issues going on. And the bigger story, as Alex said, is the fly on uh, Vice, Pre- or on, uh, Vice President Pence's head. I mean, I think they timed it at like two minutes. It was sitting on his hair. Well, yeah. I tell you what, they must have, their producer or produced that debate must have went to school wherever you went to school. Why do you say that? They because if I anything? was producing the show, I would have done. I would have told the cameraman stick on Kamala for, while she's talking, and, and somebody, somebody got a fly went out there. And, and, yeah. and, 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 or he probably has some kind of earpiece in. So why don't they? Why doesn't somebody I don't think say they're to allowed him, to have any earpieces? Is in. that true? They're not. I I, I just I, assumed that's what I heard. Because remember, Trump wanted to have somebody investigate right, and bite right. that earpiece in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but dude, dude, the stagehands are like. Ten sec, five seconds away. Wait, can't they be like this? Like, go like this, go like this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They could have put the camera on there, had a stage hand run out, and went back off. But instead, they chose to leave it out there for. Uh... Has he commented on it at all? I, I haven't. What's the really... comment? I wouldn't comment on it. Yeah, what are you gonna say? He doesn't comment much. Period. Well, yeah, he doesn't say a word usually. That was the most oh. I've ever heard him speak in his entire vice presidency tenure. 
Did you watch the whole thing? I didn't even watch it. I'm I'm, I'm very anti debate because they no, won't let my I girl watched on the stage. First, I watched the first debate and I was like disappointed with everybody in the world that we have to deal with these two. And then uh, and it was so childish the back and forth that when the vice presidential one came on, I just didn't even we didn't even watch it. I think we were watching uh, the the square pumpkin pump pumply the square pumpkin the Halloween show for kids on Netflix. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that. I'm sure my son has. Oh, yeah, you sort of like that one. Let's be real. No, no debate's changing anybody's minds. Yeah, no, that's zero. zero. Okay. I mean, really. Zero. No no one's watching that shit show and saying, oying, oh, wow, I never saw I never, that, that. That's a candidate I want to vote for. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, it's like I changed my on mind. Facebook the other day. You know, the people that take the debate serious are the same people who think the stripper likes them. <laughs> that's a great statement wait they don't <laughs> they do Paul just keep going just you Paul they miss you they yeah, miss, miss you there you. I gave them 30 she grand just, last year they like me she just wants you back right exactly <laughs> I listen that's I'll fun. go on record as saying since I've been in South Florida I have not been to a gentleman's club here and it's weird because where I used to either live, have I like four really both of you yeah either have I you weren't for It's not mine either. No. But I it's go once scene, in a man. blue moon. Like I usually go once. Well, in a while. you guys are you guys are all settled down. Yeah, that's true. I mean, little, uh, I mean, Alex, you weren't, but you know, but you I mean you're pretty much settled down now. But I mean, I was here at 26. It was like you know, I found like you know, uh, what do they call that? The city of gold. <laughs> what, <do you laughs> mean? What, was, what was Ponce de Leon looking for? Um, and found the youth. Yeah, whatever. One of the one that was looking for the city of gold. Yeah, I man. We came down here because you know we're from Illinois, man. There's no contact. There's no nothing, man. And it's even pasties in Illinois, right? So when really? I moved, yeah, when I moved down here, I was like, what? <laughs> this place is awesome. Oh my god! We, and, somebody and, just posted and, that you can buy a bobblehead of Pence with the fly plexiglass and little fly swatter of it already online. Mawa. Of course you can. The internet always wins. Man, people are fast. Want to make money. We're in the wrong business. Sorry to, right. sorry to interrupt you, but that was a really funny one. <laughs> what, the bobblehead? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to get one? Uh, no. What do I want? I don't want to. Uh, no. I have bobbleheads, but they're only of people I know. Is that weird? I worked at a, at a, for a baseball team, so some of the bobbleheads yeah, I have yeah, are no. like my bosses. Then that doesn't count. Yeah. I but mean, if, you know, if, they were giveaways. If they're athletes and they're people you know, no. But if like, you had one of your next door neighbor, yeah, that would be weird. That'd be a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah, they're athletes, people that I know, and the old CEO of our league. Actually, they did a bobblehead for him. So, anyway, hey, listen, are either of you guys into yoga? Alex, you seem like a yoga guy. I am. I'm not a yoga guy. I am not. <laughs> I'm not opposed to yoga. Um, being that I'm a bathhouse guy, I was always interested in the whole hot yoga thing. Um, did you ever no, try I've it? Never, no, I never have. Dude, it is, it smells disgusting in there for the, the I think it's, well, it used to be called Bikram yoga, but a lot of people right. don't, don't use his name anymore because he, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I watched the documentary on Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I did yeah. hot yoga when I was in college and I was expecting like, this, I don't know, like kind of like a strip club, like half naked women sweating. I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. It, it's, it stinks in there. It is awful. It's so hard to do. Yeah, but I mean, again, you know, my favorite thing to do is go sit in a box and, and sweat for 
hours. Oh, in that's Miami, true. So that's true. You know, so. I got to do that with you one day, man. I've always wanted to do that. I've never done. I've never done. Well, I have done sauna. Is that this kind of the same thing as the bathhouse? Uh, I mean, if we're talking like the sauna in your LA fitness, not really. Like down there, the hallway is hotter than those saunas. This was a this was a sauna in a private house. A lot of Nordic people have their own saunas in their house. So Didn't right. we discuss this on KMA with somebody? A spritz, right? We discussed this spritz. before. <laughs> yeah, spritz. 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 Well, this, the, the bathhouse has like seven different saunas. So some are steam rooms. Some are that typical wood structure that right. you see. The spritz is so hot that they have faucets just pouring at all times in there to dump water over your head. Jesus. So it's different levels. Do they wear towels in there? I'm just curious. No, no, no. They, they wear... Um, Bathing suits. Oh, okay. <laughs> and while we're on the subject, the best time to go is usually around like six, seven o'clock at night, because a lot of the Miami strippers tend to go there before they go to work. Oh, so it's co-ed. It's co-ed. Oh, yes. Paul is so there. Right. That's huh. why I figured I'd throw that in there. That's you know, Paul I didn't can be a new stripper that likes him. Oh, look, Paul. <laughs> he's so he's intrigued. <laughs> that is cool. Yes. All yeah, right. So we'll set up a day to go. Are they open guys. yet? Yeah, they're open. Oh, we got to check that out, dude. <laughs> well, let's get back at yoga because we do have a special oh, yeah, guest. Yoga. We want to talk about uh, something that she's been doing. It's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. Um, it's, it has to do with uh, combining yoga and cigars, I guess, two of her passions. So, uh, everybody, let's give a warm welcome to one of KMA's top fans, Allison Unhas Obiskat. <laughs> You got it, Allison. Hello, good morning. Good morning. This is weird seeing you in like in person, kind of, and not like just in the chat line here or on your Facebook not comments without like, my smart ass comments. You're move. You're moving now. You're like a real person. <laughs> yeah, now, now you're I'm a, a real doll. You're a real person now. You weren't before, but now you're a real person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a real I'm, girl. Tell us about this thing. I, I mean, I heard about it like about a month or two ago, and we talked about getting you on to talk about it, see if anybody's interested. So right. tell us about your little thing called Yogis and Stogies. Yep. So Yogis and Stogies, I teach a uh, hour to an hour and 15 minute virtual class through Zoom. A, and yoga. Then a yoga class. Yeah. Wow. And it's a real yoga class. How long have you been doing yoga? I've been um, in yoga for over 20 years, and I've been teaching yoga for over 20 years. Now, did you have to become certified to teach, or are you just teaching? Yes. You... And um, I became certified before people were saying stuff like, oh, I took a 200-hour teacher class. Oh, I was I just going to ask years. you about the hours. Okay, so that's, that's I've a actually new taught hype. A, yeah, that's a new hype that started uh, some years back. Um, I've actually taught over 10,000 hours so when people say I've took, I, I took a 200 hour training, I'm like, I've taught over 10,000 hours. Wow. So there's a big difference in that. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, now, yeah, are, there so position, are there positions yeah. you're still like working to get to, or you basically could get to all of them? You know, it's all depending on who you are because genetics and the life you've lived makes you who you are. So oh. if you've lived a really stressed life, your shoulders are pinned to your ears your shoulders are collapsed in, your hips are tight, you've been in car wrecks, whatever, some positions might not be so easy. Whereas somebody who's lived a little bit easier of life, maybe hasn't had any football injuries, they're going to have like positions that are easy to come to. Plus then you go into genetics, like 
genetically, I am a freak. I, I have a syndrome called EDS, which means I'm hypermobile. So like picking my foot up and touching my foot to my nose is something I can actually do my whole life. And mm. most people are like, what? So my genetic. Not, not even when I came out of the womb. See, now I wonder if I can do that. <laughs> I think you I can do that. No, you can't. You want me to do it? I don't have I'll shoes on. Is that weird? I'll give you a signed $5 bill if you can right now. That I can't lift no my way. foot up and touch my nose? I'll do it yeah, right freaking now. Look. Right now. Oh, I owe oh. him a $5 bill. <laughs> you knew you could do it. You knew no, you I didn't. I swear it. to God, I've never done yes, it before. Yes, you did. That no, was, there was two on cue. That was, I feel like I that was scripted. <laughs> no, because I, I was curious as as to whether or not I could do that. Because I'll do it again. Look, man. This is this is like, look at that. Is that your foot? Yes, man. Here. Hold on, I'll prove it. I'll prove it. There's nobody else here. Foot. There's no Stephanie left. There's nobody else here. Look, my whole house. Wow. Nobody else is here. I don't even think uh, I can reach my foot. I'm looking at it. It's way down there. Nope. Now you're going to try. Now, I have done some yoga when I was younger. And when you're an actor, mm-hmm. everybody makes you do yoga. But recently, these guys might, might give me a hard time, but, but recently... I've been encountering some what I think is a pinched nerve during COVID, and I, you know, I tried making appointments with doctors offices. Some of them were closed. Some of them it was just too difficult to get an appointment. So right. I actually started like just on YouTube because I have a lot of friends that that teach yoga because I'm you know I was an actor so everybody is a yoga instructor now. But I, I was taking some like ten minute or twenty minute virtual classes with the stretching yeah. and the and I'll tell you what it really really helped me. I wish mm-hmm. I had time to do it every day. I should just make time to do it every day. Like I should make time to go running and stuff. But there's a lot more benefits than just physical too, right, Allison? I mean, there's Absolutely. a lot of studies that talk about about emotional well-being and whatnot. With you want to elaborate on that? Yeah. So when you know we all live these lives and we grow up and we've had people in our lives that have said stuff to us. And some of the stuff hasn't been positive and you carry it through your lifetime. And uh, whether your lifetime is however long, um, for like me, I will talk uh, for my instance. When I hit the yoga mat uh, first time, I was overweight. Um, I was, you know, the roly-poly chubby girl. And um, I got there and I had a lot of emotional garbage going on. And... um, For instance, um, somebody in my life told me that for 10 years I was short, fat, stupid, and ugly. And that kind of embedded into my brain. And then when I got on the yoga mat, I noticed I was like, wait a minute, that bullshit's not on my mat. So if it's not on my mat, why don't I put that in my regular life? And it was very interesting because as my emotional state got better and my brain was more healthy in the way it thought about me, I was able to, like, lose my weight I was able to like think better. I was able to like, you know, navigate life better because I wasn't hearing all that background noise that we all have going on. Now I'm not saying it's a hundred percent. There's still some days where I'm like, oh, you know, but it, it helps because you can recheck yourself just like the physical part where like guys who work at the computers, like Paul does, if you're sitting there all day and you're all crunched up or, you know, you're just in really, really bad positioning and then you get up and you're like, man, my back is just fucking hurting. Mm-hmm. You can be like, wait a minute, how have I been sitting all day? And maybe you adjust your seating and then you're like, oh, okay, this is better, you know? Um, even like, you know, if you get your gangster lean on while you're driving, 
And then you're driving and you get out of the car and all of a sudden your shoulders like pinned into your ear. Well, maybe you shouldn't sit with your gangster wing because actually when you get out, you don't look that cool because you're, you're rolling your shoulder like you're getting ready for a fight. Right. So. so tell us yeah. how you combine the two. Yeah. That's the interesting part for me. They almost don't seem like they would go together. But you're, well, you're living proof that somebody that, that enjoys a fine cigar, and, and I mean, you do reviews. I mean, you obviously know your cigars. You've, you've been smoking cigars for a long time. How, how, yeah. did, how did they come together? So I was on my honeymoon in Nicaragua uh, on a tour of factories, and I was with a bunch of people, and every morning I got up and I did yoga. And uh, it was funny because over breakfast – sorry, I'm relighting my cigar right now um, – as I was, you know, at breakfast and stuff, people kept making the joke, which other people had made the joke in shops. Have you ever thought about mixing cigars and yoga together? And I was like, well, you know, I, I could do that, you know. And um, a year later, I was working in a shop and I came up with the idea, what if I did yoga in the morning? At the shop, and then afterwards, so I would open the shop early, move all the furniture, clean the floors, and all that, and then we'd do yoga class. And then after yoga, we would smoke cigars. Well, it comes to be that you would have people who, A, maybe they have never done yoga, but they know me through cigars, yeah. or it was people who smoked cigars, or sorry, uh, they haven't done my... Uh, they um, did yoga, yeah, but haven't smoked cigars. Right. Exactly. So... In essence, because I'm a teacher automatically, I can teach them how to do yoga or I could teach them to smoke a cigar. And, you know, you get the social afterwards. So, now, yeah. you're doing this virtually so people can participate no matter where they're at. Right. So now I'm doing it virtually from my home because of COVID. So and how, that all how started... do people do it virtually? How can they sign up and get involved? Yeah, where do yeah. they find you? You find me at www.yogisandstogies.com. And oh, we this, have this is on, like a big deal. They've got a, got yeah. a URL and everything. Okay. Yeah, and we even have it on a Eventbrite. <laughs> <laughs> we even have T-shirts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we have it up on Eventbrite. We have it on Facebook events. Um, so I, made, I try to make it really easy. People pay $10 for the class, and then the Cigar Social afterwards is free. So that's so nobody's cool doing yoga with a cigar in their mouth. Mm -mm. <laughs> no, because I don't want to burn my boobs. Oh, yeah, I uh, guess that'd be yeah. straight out. Uh, I, I like my girls not now, burned. Now, is, are you doing anything on the cigar side, or are they just grabbing their own sticks and smoking whatever they want? So we are also doing a cigar um, on the cigar side. And uh, what we're doing is we are doing a kind of cigar review. So... I have these packs that people can order, um, and in the packs, you'll, let me put my cigar down. Look at this. And, and in the pack, you're going to get three cigars, because I set up my classes three at a time. Makes it easy for people, and they can buy them singly, or they can buy them uh, as all three. So you get three cigars. Oh, and these aren't normal cigars. They all don't have bands on them. Right. There's no bands. Okay. And the reason why is, um, I am picking out cigars and then they are smoking them blind like I do for Blind Man's Puff. So those oh. are legitimate brands just without the bands? These, 
are very legitimate. My first three were. I should um, say legitimate, but I mean, they're real yeah. brands. They're out there, yeah. Right. My first three were the Umbagog, the uh, La Barba Lancero Perp, and then the third one was the Breakfast in Portugal by Room 101 Matt Booth. All right. So really, yeah. so really quick now, in case somebody's listening and trying to figure out how they could do this, right? Right. Are the cigars sold on the website? Uh, no, they're not sold on my website. Okay, so I'm a new person. I just I'm watching the show. I heard of this. How right. do I sign up? So I go to your site. I sign up for the class. How far in advance do I have to sign up for? You can even class? sign up that morning for the class. Okay, but then I won't have the cigars. Right. So right. typically, if I wanted the Yogi and Stogie experience, mm-hmm. right? How? Where would I get the cigars from? Is it through your website or it's where? Actually, it's actually through my friend's site. Okay. And uh, it's redhillstobacco.com. It's a legitimate online tobacconist. And um, he uh, packages them up and he sends them out to you. You get the cigars and you also get a little code that will give you some percentage off later. But, yeah, so, that's how you get so it. So how long does it usually take for the cigars to arrive? Two, three days. All right. So and your class is usually when? Um, uh, every other Saturday. Oh, okay, every other Saturday. So, so I'll be on next week. Right, so as yeah, long as they order time. cigars three right. or four days before any Saturday, they can have the cigars. So you could order them then, now and have them for this coming Saturday. Next, next Saturday. Absolutely, absolutely. And then cool. the nice thing is, is uh, the last two, the last two classes, we've actually had the maker come in and surprise everybody. So on the last third, I tell everybody, okay, guys, the maker's coming in. Does everybody have any guesses? And uh, we we get that surprise, and they can sit and talk. And, you know, it's a small community right now. So there's like, you know, 10 of us. Do they, and they do can yoga talk. with you? No, not yet. Not yet. But I actually have a, I'm at, I actually have a maker who's in the group with us. I have a couple of retailers who are in the group with us. So that's because really cool. If you could get soccer yes. to do the yoga, that would be like pay-per-view. <laughs> Seriously. That would be like a pay-per-view moment. You should get Saka and Skip Martin to come do like a yoga session there. <laughs> And I, I, I think like you have the highest viewership in both sides of the show. Absolutely. Well, you know, Steve's wife has been teaching Pilates for like she's a big, she's twenty a hard years. Pilates person. Yeah. I Pilates didn't know is, that. Yeah, yeah. She'd like to have her own Pilates studio if Steve would stop like slave driving her to death. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it's not the other way around? You sure Cindy's not the one cracking the whip? <laughs> she's, too, she's too nice. She's, she's a sweetheart. Such a sweet lady. I love so Cindy. Sweet. She's too nice. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, so cool. we we ask everyone um, whether you are new to yoga or you're an advanced student or whatever, just come in because, like a lot of people tell me, I can't do yoga. I'm not flexible enough. And I'm like, look, if a tree can fall in the forest, a tree can fall in yoga. So anyone can come because I've even taught um, yoga to a woman who had um, like no arms and legs. And I mean, like, wow. no arms. and if she can do yoga, anyone can do yoga. Well, so they and, can check out redhillstobacco.com, yogisandstogies.com. Allison, mm-hmm. thank you so much for bringing this. We, I mean, I had no idea that this existed. So that's, this is yeah. awesome for our listeners. Uh, guys, yeah, you absolutely. can check our Facebook page if you want more information. Allison, it was really a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you. And and now I work in the cigar industry even more. Now I rep for cigars. That's I so Which I heard. One? 
Wait, whoa, I'm rapping for Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Rockefeller cigars. Kevin Schweitzer. I saw Kevin when I was on Long Island as well. That's that's awesome. That's really cool for you. Yeah. I'm excited. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much. We will uh, we will talk to you. Well, we'll see you in the chat, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right, All kiddo. Right. Thanks for coming on. Yogi'sandsnakes.com. Check it out. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was that is uh, that is pretty I'm cool. I'm shocked you were able to touch your nose with your foot. Dude, you're paying me that signed five dollar bill, I, I, just so you know. I'm not. I don't renege on my bets, bro. I'll give it to you. How? Uh, I just want to. I just want to point out that half our viewers also tried touching their nose. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Sheehan, Kevin Sheehan couldn't do it. Chrissy yeah. tried. Somebody in there wrote, "That's why I got married. I can't do it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I swear to God, I did not know I could do it. I guess I'm flexible. I don't know. Oh, we should have asked her about the goat thing. The goat um, yoga? yoga? Yeah, yoga's with goats. They do it here, out here in Wellington. There's there's wow. a farm here that does it. Well, we have a, another guest. As well, well, we have a very interesting meet your maker. Uh, for why don't, our yeah, do why don't actually, you give him the intro? Do we have audio for it or no? We do not. Okay. No soundboard guy yet, right? Correct. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, <laughs> this week, look, in a time where everybody's on the circuit doing all these blogs, we really thought to get somebody out of the box. And this is actually a very, very old, near and dear friend of mine who is has more history in the cigar industry than maybe a lot of people know today. So I really reached out to him. Um, wasn't even sure if I had his right cell number still. That's how long we hadn't talked. Um, I know we Facebook mentioned a couple of times, but I'm like, uh, is this still your cell? And he's like, yeah. And he was happy to come on. So I'd like everybody to welcome Scott Acid Chester of um, Ariel Chester, originally Ariel Chester Industrial Design, now Acid NYC. Welcome, Scott. Scott, you're going to have to unmute yourself. I was trying to text you quickly. You just have to click that the little microphone button there to unmute yourself. Oh, I made it difficult, didn't I? I can't unmute you. It's the, it's the little picture of a microphone. You Way to go, it. Paul. Good job, Paul. <laughs> Way to go, Paul. Well, we had to we had to mute him for the for the segment. You should have a microphone. Well, thanks the... for coming on, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, you should have a microphone symbol at the bottom of your screen. Yeah, if you I feel click like on if you it. touch the screen. Just click yeah. it. He froze, it looked like. He may oh, have hung yeah. up nice. Well, until he gets back on, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, Scott Chester, who's got yeah, a pretty cool him. history. Um, Scott was pretty much an industrial designer, artist, and he had a studio in the same building where Drew Estate uh, had their like kind of early on offices in Brooklyn. And Scott will tell you about this. And that's how they met. And it's a great story on how they actually met and became friends. And Scott is the silhouette that's on a motorcycle that's on every acid box. Oh, that's actually uh, him? That's yes. actually him. Yes, I learned Scott that. Was known with, Scott, I mean, this is the, honestly the first time I've seen him. I mean, I've seen pictures on Facebook recently. But this is the first time I've actually visually seen Scott without dreads. I've known Scott his whole life with huge dreads. And um, Scott was a, a motorcycle racer and uh, painted and designed some pretty cool bikes. We used to do events, and they'd bring these bikes that pot. Scott would have would paint and done and Scott was kind of like, I don't know if it's a good word for it, but it was kind of like the acid mascot. He was acid. And um, 
toured the uh, you know country with Drew Estate for many many years. He was integral in the early design and developmental graphics and marketing of Acid, and um, you know has now still continued his career. Uh, he did clothing. He made me a personal. It was like a velour, like really cool jumpsuit one year at the trade show. And he bought and he gave me as a gift. I had it for years until I like way outgrew it. Um, but um, and he's continued a career with uh, art and design. And his, I'm going to say wife. I'm not sure they're actually married by now. But uh, his uh, lady um, is a uh, well known. Um, in the uh, art, uh, in the uh, fashion design world. So uh, if Paul can actually get Scott on the show again, we can that start. Would be a- great. Now, did you know? Did you know, Alex, that uh, about Scott before we talked about bringing him on the show? Not at all. Not at all. Uh, I never heard the name. I didn't know. I actually, when I saw the uh, Facebook post, I had to look him up. And That's uh, just. Make such an interesting guest, you know, because everybody's doing the rounds these days, you know, Saka, Pete Johnson, and this guy and that guy, and you know, they're all over. And here's a guy who really has a, a, a nice piece of history in one of the biggest cigar companies out today. And um, absolutely, and uh, you know, a lot of people don't know that they know the box, they know the logo. I, I, that's they, what I was going to say. It's interesting, yeah. like, you, you nobody really probably knows the guy behind the scenes, but if you said, Oh, the guy on the acid box, everybody'd be like, Oh, and that's you know, literally, I know that. Way. I know that. How are we doing, yeah, Paul? Are you able to get back we're on? We're getting there. He, he's having a yeah, computer Paul, issue, so he should be able to start it himself. Well, it's me and you now. <laughs> Unbelievable. You know, we thought when we had leave the had I, had, I wasn't muted on the on the air. Uh, yeah. He's, he's working on a computer issue. His computer froze. So he is doing a restart, and we're bringing him right back on. I think we're ready to go now. So just, uh, you know, continue to amuse yourselves. Yeah. Sure, sure. Perfect. I'll try and touch my nose with my foot while we waste time. I want to talk about the, 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 the um, I don't know, what do you call it? I guess it's not a meme. It's a what? gift, I guess. The gift of the week. What's the gift of the week? Eric Espinosa's gift. I see it. Oh, every- Mamma Mia? I, I, I just I, said, I sent it to Paul to see if he could screen share it during the show. I, I feel like, listen, before, you know, I had a couple of things that I thought were my greatest contribution to the company, but I feel like this is uh, Trump them all. Yeah, well, the Mama Mia is on a marketing social media level, without a doubt, it's 100%. That's the gift of the week. Absolutely. Eric Espinosa in, in a mini crown and king's robe and, and doing the Mama Mia. What was that queen. from? I don't understand. That I was from you... the pre show before we went live when we so had he the put that was... on while he was talking to you. Obviously, you oh, didn't yeah. start to watch the show. He started the show in that outfit. Right. Uh, so we were kind of recording everything beforehand. and uh, You didn't see our good. outtakes? We did an that's outtakes great. video. It's actually hilarious. Yeah, we, we had a whole contest and everything. Yeah, right, Hector. Heck yeah. Thanks for, uh, yeah. Thanks for supporting the cause. Yeah. Sorry. We're still waiting on Scott to get back oh, on. Oh, there he is. Hey. There he is. Can you oh, hear me? There he goes. We can hear you. Ah, uh, okay. Is that it? We can't, can't see, see you. you. You can't the camera see. went off. You got to hit that camera button. You yeah, These we artists. for a second. These artists, guys. How about now? No? Now the camera's off. Let's see. Put the camera oh, back There oh, we go. Hey. He's in. There he is. No, we can't see him. We can't see him live. We Come can't on. see him live? What are you talking about? We can see him. You can see him or no? We can can we you hear can, me? We can see you and we can hear you. But okay. your your video is not going out live on Facebook. I can fix that. We gotta take a 
we got to just close. It's going to just be me live for a second. All right. Great. It's I just don't know what's going want. on. Hmm. Well, I was working before. Hold on one second, Scott. All right. I'm calling everybody back. So All while right. I... While I do that, I'm going to bring everybody back on the call. See, this is the, the technology part. This is why we have to start doing, um, start doing this live in a studio, which is going to be the new, the new norm moving forward at some point as we bring everybody back on the call. We will do this. And there's a new group chat. Cami, uh, technical difficulties, apologize. Bring on Abe, bring on Alex, bring on Scott, and done. Creating our new conversation, all right. And then we start a call with that group. I hope everybody's enjoying my uh, my walkthrough of the how the entire process works. All right, now we're bringing everybody back on so that we can continue the show as normal. Bro, you're such a putz. Uh, all right, so here we go. Let's see if we can get people back on. Were you on the air by yourself? Yeah, I had to yes. be. All right, I see Abe. I see Alex. What's the over and under that you're going to get Scott back on now? He, I'm calling him. He saw he saw it ringing. He probably doesn't know how to answer. Scott, are you sure like your cats haven't chewed into some wiring over at your lap? Dude, by your everything house? was working fine except for I it, think that it's, was be- in the- it's because he hasn't had his pumpkin spice coffee this morning. Seriously, <laughs> everything was working fine before. It's when we had a technical issue with Scott. That we couldn't get him on, but let's see if we can get him now. All right, looks like it's ringing Scott now. Scott, can you hear us? Mamma mia, mamma mia. (laughs) Did he give you permission to use that? Yes. (laughs) It never gets old. Yeah, Kevin. Kevin, look, Paul needs help. Kevin's like, why don't you use StreamYard? Are we on the air? Yeah. Okay, good. Because I've been telling Paul and our team about StreamYard only for about two months. You know, some people just don't like to even try to take two minutes to learn something. Yeah, Kevin, I've I seen know. Kevin Kev- have, I've seen Kevin have technical issues on his show plenty of times. Paul's the worst. I, this I one like, is it, honestly not on me. We had everything working. If I didn't like you a little... All right, well, now this is fun. How are we doing call, there, Paul? Should I call him? I'm texting with him right now. I, we've been, I've been calling him since we got back on this new group chat. Well, anyways, uh, we have a new anyway. segment. We have a new segment for the show today um, called Who Am I? Should be interesting. Yes. Why, don't you, yes. why don't you talk about the genesis behind that, Abe? Well, the genesis behind it is I, I, I tasked Paul to come up with some new segments, kind of had a variety show, and Paul didn't do shit for like six months. Um, didn't even tackle or begin to try to do anything. So on my own, I came up with this. On my own, I tasked the first story and put it together. 
Wait a minute, Thanks. wait a minute. I thought this was an inspiration from your wife. Uh-oh. She, no, no, she was. She was demused because she, she wanted us to do, my wife wanted us to do something like, um, to do like investigative reporting, like. My wife, my wife's a huge fan of real sports, like like hardcore. Actually, Loves that show, said. her favorite show. And I'm like, babe, they got like 32 people that work on a story. I got Paul. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, Paul barely can figure out what he's gonna have for lunch tomorrow. So, um, well, yeah, but she, she, she was working on it, and that's when I kind of came up with with that because it reminded me of Paul Harvey. You know, that's the rest of the story, and that's kind of what we came up with. Who am I? So yeah, I think I brought it up to Paul maybe about a month ago. It was different than the gen than it than it is now. So you wanted to do it a, in a different way and have somebody live on the air. We had to figure out how oh, to. Does it matter? You didn't do nothing. You didn't lift a single finger to get no, it. No, I did. I talked to Brian about it. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to Brian about it. Coop is we'll saying he can come on. get Coop on so we could actually get some news while you're dilly dallying. Yes, I'm dilly dallying. I forgot. Yeah, get coupon, and that way we could mute you, and you can go to discover whatever you want to decide to work on. Come on on, Coop. Get a coupon. Because this, yeah, this, this coupon. is an extremely interesting week with news. Yeah, it was lot, a busy week, right? A lot of, uh, finally, I mean, these, these media guys were probably like, oh, thank Jesus. There's a lot of uh, news stuff that came on, a lot of brand stuff. Right. Coop, calling Coop. Who's calling him? Coop. Coop. There, oh, I like it. He's there in. he is. I don't know if he's well, online. We can see Coop. Yeah, we can, yeah, he's live. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hey, can guys. hear you. We can see you, Coop. Good morning, I'm here. <laughs> Hello, Coop. What's going on, buddy? Hey, good morning. Yeah, I kind of uh, saw you. I was going to set up in the parlor, but I kind of saw you guys were uh, having some problems. So I said, let me see if you guys need me on right now. Way to jump. Way to jump. And way to jump on that fire. Thank God. Yes, cool God. to save the day. Paul, why don't you mute yourself while you work with... Uh... Wait, but but to save, just, just to save myself face, it's working with Coop. So it might not necessarily be my problem. I did a half hour, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I'm not going to yeah. justify yeah, just my existence. Yeah, just to a show. And we'll see if we can get back to Scott. Coop, well, first off, I want to thank you, and, and, and I want to touch base on it because I know Kevin's in the chat. Chat. Um, are we had the Battle of the Bands reveal this week. Kevin Shahan of Cigar Prop actually won the competition, uh, probably going in as the biggest underdog. So uh, his no, sample. No, he wasn't the underdog. <laughs> oh, I, think, I don't buy it. I totally think he was the underdog going into the event. No. <laughs> Wait, wait. Oh, he had pretty good. I mean, I thought okay, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Wait, unexpected. Wait, hold on. Hey, Coop and I, as close as we are, we love to disagree a lot with each other. So l let me just say right. this. Uh, Scott's saying it rings, but I won't answer, Paul. Um, so <laughs> let me just say this. Kevin, going into the contest, won, without a doubt, had the least amount of followers. I can tell you statistically, he has the least amount of followers compared to any of you guys. And yeah. the least amount of time in, in, in doing what he does compared to all you guys. How you don't think he was the underdog, I can't fathom. Now, just because you discovered after the event started how hardcore his followers are, doesn't mean that he, he was definitely has a hardcore, hardcore following. Yeah. Hardcore, but doesn't mean he wasn't an underdog going in. 
He was without now. In my opinion, he was an underdog going in. If I was laying Vegas odds, he was the long shot going in. Do we got ball freezing now? I can't tell. Is this going to be the Alex and Abe show today? (laughs) No, we're good. Uh, okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, you were just freezing up on my screen a little bit. Okay. But yeah, so he, Vegas I get a great following, Abe. I think that's what my point was. And when you ha- he obviously connected with people, and that's a big, big part of a contest like this. You know, it, there, there was a strong connection he had with his audience, and they supported him the whole way. So you got to give him some credit on yeah. And he marketed it differently. But, you know, I'm just going to tell you as a guy who's been in the industry and has gone from one stores to multiple locations yeah. over the years. It's a lot easier to have that kind of connection with your group. And as it expands, it kind of gets a little bit harder, you know? So I think one of the advantages of having that kind of connection comes from him being one of the smaller media guys that were involved. I mean, I'll be honest with you, when I was looking to get different types of media and I was looking for like a young and upping new coming guy, that, that's kind of why him, you know, newer face, doing well, respectable product, you know, we went to Kevin, but... Big congratulations to him. He won. He he led out of the gate, and nobody ever caught. No one ever got caught up. I think Dojo got within two points or three points at one point, but no one ever caught up. And and Coop, you had a great showing too, man. I was thrilled. Yeah, I was thrilled. Yeah, it was kind of nice to see the other side of the experience of where now consumers are dealing directly with one of typically your products. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, Abe, I said this this week. I don't think there's ever been a competition where someone has brought six media people in to develop what I'll call a product, and a sample was developing a product, and then compete to see who had the best sales among them. I, I don't think that's happened. With, I know with media it hasn't happened before. So it was a one-of-a-kind opportunity to participate in that, and I'm, I'm honored that I got to participate with five really good guys who did a great, all did a great job. No, it, it was an honor to have you, pal. So tell yeah. us. Tell us what we a lot of news going on this week. Holy cow. Yeah, let's break it open, buddy. So, I mean, so this kind of hit yesterday um, and it it was Cigar Fish and I got the story, but it it was a blockbuster in that announcement of a we we throw, you know, we've used this word collaboration on this show a lot. Right. But there is a collaboration going on between Padron and Artrano Fuente where um, they have a project that's going to come out at next year's PCA trade show. And um, it's really the two families kind of coming together. Uh-huh. And we- I'm sorry. Can you hear me? We can yeah, hear you, but we're not. Paul, do not mute. Yeah. Paul's on mute still. Okay. Go ahead. So Go, go, go ahead, okay. So what it's going to involve is Padron, George Padron's going to work on making a cigar. That's going to pay tribute to Carlos Fuente Sr., who was the patriarch of Arturo Fuente. The idea is to try to create a cigar. He's going to try to create a cigar that Carlos Sr. would enjoy. And vice versa, uh, Carlito Fuente is going to try to is going to create a cigar. Uh, meant to pay homage to Jose Orlando Padron. And again, try to come up with a cigar that would be one that was, is in his wheelhouse. So it's kind of the old face-off that we saw at Lido and Christian years ago again. Right. So, so just, just so... I could clarify because the word you know, collaboration is one of those words I feel gets abused a lot in this industry. Technically, it's not a collaboration. It's more of it's each, one, each one is making their own tribute cigar. That's about it. Yeah. 
There's yeah, not really I mean, a collaboration just, other than the fact of being able to use each other's maybe names or imagery. That's about it. Yeah, it's sounding like though they're gonna package the cigars together. That's what I was gonna ask. Is this gonna be like? I, I thought that going in when I read the article, but I just I find that hard to fathom. Yeah, so, there's still details that are gonna be flushed out over this over the next few months. Okay. Um, but but Abe, the other thing I think I'm wondering is the question is I'm wondering if this is gonna be one of those. This hasn't been answered yet. I'm trying to get an answer on it. I don't know if this is going to be a PCA only exclusive, namely meaning you have to go to the show to get it. And I've been kind of down on those cigars. And I'm wondering if this one's one. What? You said you look down on those cigars? I'm down on those projects in general. Okay. I don't think they generate the revenue. I love you, but you're like right behind Steve Sock as being uh, the Debbie Downer king in the universe. (laughs) (laughs) What, what, What is it? Seriously, what is it that you're down about him? How, first off, they haven't, there hasn't been one yet. Well, here's let me finish what I'm going to say. I guess I am saying a little Debbie Downer because I haven't seen these cigars create a lot of excitement in the past. I'm going by, again, we saw a flood of TAA cigars. I think that it's a not a bad thing. I think the industry should do it. Now, a cigar like this, that's going to change a lot of games where – that cigar's at the trade show. You'll see people go to the trade show to get that cigar. There's okay, no sure. question in my mind. So, me, so, so this me, is one that I'm saying, wow, this is what I expect. A, if it's a PCA exclusive, this is the kind of caliber I'd expect of it. So let me let me clarify what you're Debbie Downing, okay? Because th- th- this is where people make a common mistake when they're discussing something. Because, like, you know, uh-huh. we're, we're all, like, knee-deep into the great small one, right? The digital experience. Right. And um, it's an ongoing, everyday, evolving project. And, I, you know, as I'm talking to people about it, and I'm envisioning how historic this event may be, for us, it's going to come down to execution, right? Execution is key. Right. The concept is not a Debbie Downer concept, and neither was the TAA cigar. What happens was the execution fails, right? Yes. If, if yes. Joe Blow's cigar shop makes a new Vitola size that's a PCA-only cigar, well, no one in the country gives a crap. Right, George Padron and Carlito Fuente get together and want to make something everybody's listening and wanting to go. Right, yeah. so it's more about the execution of, of trade show only cigars. Having trade show only cigars is really not a bad thing if you that, execute it. If you execute, yes, we're on the same page with that. Yeah, that, that's a clarification. It's, it's just, funny because Coop and I do this a lot. We'll start right. out somewhere, I'm thinking we're on completely different spectrums of something, and really, we both, we both think exactly the same way about it. Yeah. No, I'm in agreement with you on that. And like I said, TAA cigars are in the same boat. I think it's good that there's TAA cigars, but I think you and I would agree there's way too many that they're throwing out there. Yeah. Well, the model of the TAA was great. And then just like most things, it becomes a bottom line bastardization, right? So all of a sudden there's like 50,000 TAA cigars. And it really is not about making anything special anymore. It's about, you know, it's about the manufacturer making something that's a TA exclusive. It's about the TA making their, their commission on every box. And then it's not about the product or, or the packaging, the product or, you know, the brand. And that's when stuff falls apart. I think if guys make PCA-only cigars or trade show-only cigars, which would be a, a huge draw, which would be a huge draw if the projects are executed right and people would go to trade shows. Yeah. Now, Abe, you get three or four projects like this at this level, it's going to 
now suddenly doing a PCA cigars and executing on an idea like that? It's a pretty good idea. When you start here's, seeing stuff here's with, where I already see a problem with this. Okay. This is where it's going to be a problem. If you're going to make me fly to Vegas and spend thousands of dollars, and then you're going to tell me, okay, my shop's going to get 10 boxes, I'll right. never go to the trade show again. Right. That's, yeah. That's a valid, that's valid. That's what I see them happening, right? You know, I mean, they're going to start saying, oh, well, we're only going to make 2,000 boxes and each, oh, our good retailers will get 20 and these other guys will get, no, I mean, who cares then? Yeah, it's not worth the cost of going to Vegas. Make it a one-time release. Let me buy 500 boxes if I want to last the whole year and sell me what I want. I'll go to the trade show every year. I hope George or Carlito's watching this. We actually have Carlito on next Saturday. Yep. You know, I will mention this to him. Because Absolutely. if their intention, if their goal, because look, George and Carlito are without a doubt one of the hard traditionalists that want to see a PCA trade show maintain and exist. Sure. And, and honestly, what, what's amazing is, the, and you want to talk about an interesting perspective, these are the two companies that, that really don't benefit anything or the least about being at a trade show. Yeah, sure. Deals on sure. their product. They're going going to see. I mean, if you don't get to ever see them, and as a retailer, here's an opportunity I might actually get to see Carlito or go to the booth and talk to George. It's a great experience. But as far as buying, they're there just out of out of um, principle, right? They they want they want their presence there. They doesn't do anything for their buying. There's no deals. No one's going loading up. If you give them an order, it's like you're just placing a regular order. That's about it, right? Now Fuente might have some like. If you place a 50-box order, you'll get to order up to six boxes of something rare. But nothing that's ever going to be really tangible, right. the bottom line, right? So they don't need to be there. But So they're hardcore supporters. So if, if their intention is to start creating something that will make people want to go to a trade show, it won't work if they make it extremely rare and limited. What they should do is make it a one-time release, let people buy in. And that's it. They can't get no more. So if guys want to buy 20 boxes, they can. If guys want to buy 500, say, I want to make sure this lasts until next year's trade show. Let them buy it. Right. Yeah, I agree. And we're speculating, Abe. They may not come back. They may just, this may not be an exclusive. So let's let's keep that in mind, too. They haven't made any announcement. It I, kind of got my me thinking, wait, 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 if that's a possibility. Let's talk about a rumor. Was that a rumor? Yes. No. I, yes. No. Yes. No. It's oh. a rumor. I, well, I'm, I'm asking as a journalist. I'm asking the question. Oh. Uh, well, I tell you, Coop. Coop's on the ball. You can't get him, but yeah. No, he's, he's got just, that old school journalist he, mentality, man. He's the best. Right. But if I, you're I, asking, I, haven't asked I, I agree with your gut yet. instinct and the, of that question. Yeah, yeah. I believe that's yeah. what it's going to be, and right. um, I really hope that they do 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 it right to make it a reason for people to fly out. Here's yeah. the real here's think, the real question, Coop. Yeah. Can you touch your foot to your nose? Uh, Paul's all no proud shot. of himself now. No shot. Coop, who's on the back of that jersey? Oh yeah. Harper. Yeah, I can't move around. It will turn. Harper, yeah. I wear it with nice. pride. I'm Alex. Nice. I love My Harper, man. right? And you know what? I love that he got his money, right? Because if if I guy's agree. gonna get a contract like that, who's he to turn it down? Absolutely. Right? I agree. Absolutely. And and Washington, that's not the reason why Washington lost before he left. That's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Although I, I am a little partial to Washington because those guys actually come visit me at the uh, shop every year. 
when they're in town oh, for spring cool. training. No, that's cool. Yeah, they do their spring I, I, training I like right here. Yeah. 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 I like yeah. Washington. Yeah. I like so, guys. Coop, what are, what other scoops you got this week? Um, the other thing, Fuente made a lot of news this week. I mean, the other news is uh, a new Fuente line is coming in November. Um, it's the Fuente Rare Pinks. So that is a project that's being done to benefit breast cancer research. Um, so it, it's something that the Fuentes have been involved with for a while. And what it's going to be is it's going to be a, a line of Figurado cigars, um, kind of an extension of the Hemingway line. But as opposed to using a Cameroon wrapper, it's going to use an Ecuadorian wrapper. And they're going to create really? some, uh, some kind of cool sizes with it. So that's going to come out at the end of like November 25th. It's scheduled to come out right around... Actually, November 18th, which is coinciding with the 25th anniversary of the Opus X line. So a lot of stuff coming out of Fuente this week, which uh, you normally don't say, hear. It's, it's nice to see them get the creative juices going and start working on some nice stuff. I mean, it's, you know, right. it's it's kind of a, a, a breath of fresh air because they're typically, I mean, just like Padrones, they're these hardcore brands that are rock solid foundations and they don't tweak or play much in, in, in development. Right. Oh, and they've done, you know, they've done their Opus X one-offs, some of those real limited ones that we've seen over the years. But these are kind of projects that are a lot more high-profile, I think, in a lot of ways. Yeah. And they're going to play a key role uh, with Arturo Fuente uh, over the next, you know, couple of years, for sure. So it, it was really good to see this type of news come out, like, this week. When Fuente makes these types of announcements of Padron, it's something you're going to pay close attention to. Right. What else you got going on? Um, so Monte Cristo announced their 85th anniversary cigar as well. It's the Monte Cristo 1935 anniversary, uh, Nicaragua coming from AJ Fernandez. It's going to be a Nicaraguan Puro. It's going to be available in four sizes and we can expect to see that cigar start to hit the shelves, um, the, uh, around the November timeframe as well. A lot of brand releases. Uh, I think it was yeah. all that. I think it was all that COVID downtime, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. The juices got flowing. Alta just kind of took an approach. Um, like Drew Estate and Altus took very different approaches. Drew Estate made all their product announcements in, in a span of like two weeks. Alta just has been spreading it out throughout the whole year. So there's been, they've been doing one launch and then they launch it and then they move on to the next launch. They just did one for the new Vega Fina that's hitting the U.S. now. So now Monte Cristo is going to be the next one in line right now. So they've kind of spread it out, which has been their strategy this year. It's really funny because we got a question from uh, one of our top fans, uh, David Wayne. And actually, I got a bunch of PMs last night regarding this. Look, guys, any, ma any major retailers getting the rare pink? Any major, all reputable B&Ms or major B&Ms and retailers, I will get the rare pink. We'll get the Fuente Padron collaboration with it but no one has a clue i mean right. you know how it's going to be distributed when how it's going to be distributed i mean we listen can ask carlito if, next week if, if one thing well listen i'm just telling you there's one thing frente has been amazingly like consistent about is these limited launches and then the dates just like are way off when it actually hits the street i mean they've been historic yeah, I mean, they've, they've been historically consistent on that yeah, very, very true. Um, the, the rare pinks is going to be at least to start out with 500 boxes per size, which it's not big when you look at a company like Arturo Fuente. Um, and it reach it. Yeah, now, that means a guy my size might get one or two boxes of each. What yeah. am I going to do with that? So, yeah, yeah it, raffle, it's gonna raffle be off your chance to buy a cigar. 
<laughs> it's going to cause us more headache than it's going to be anything, you know? Yeah. It's going to have a lot of disappointed customers. So we might have to have a, find a fair way we can, uh, you know, get these out. And, um, you know, guys are saying, I got a feeling these, these are all going to be $20 plus cigars. Eh, maybe, possibly. I mean, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, look, look, here's here's the problem. Stuff like this, whatever they price it, there's going to be that group that's going to buy it all up no matter what. And that's that's right. the problem like that. And the stuff that's going for charity, like the rare pink, I got no problem. They charge thirty dollars a cigar. Sure, no, if, I agree. If people Absolutely. are thirty dollars a cigar and contribute to the charity, more power to them. I have no yeah. issues with. That. Yeah, I agree with that. I have no issues with that. So I'm I'm, I'm all for that. Anything else going on, Coop? Um, I'll also mention the uh, War Zone, which is the collaboration between. General and Espinosa, they're doing a new size. It's a 6.5 by 48 box press Churchill. That's the Cameroon wrapper project they did. That's going to be launching at the virtual Lazona Palooza on November 12th. Yeah, I couldn't see them letting that gravy train go away. No, uh, I didn't either. Um, <laughs> I definitely, they had a, they, they, I mean, they're, they're very confident that they're going to get a cigar aficionado rating on that cigar. Um, at the end of the year, on the top twenty-five. So well, that would be there. Big for Eric. For right? If that happens, look at it to be regular production in twenty twenty-one. Right. Right. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Of Why course. Wouldn't you? Of Why course. wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. So they'll have to be a La Zona too. Actually, well, General makes that cigar, so it doesn't. Well, no, La Zona makes La Zona, it. General, right? It made it La Zona, but General. Oh, that's right. I got it backwards. La Zona made for General. Yeah, so I was right. Yeah, they'll have to be a La Zona number two. Yeah. We'll have to. We'll have to uh, expand. Eric will gladly figure that out. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. We'll have Hector and Eric Jr. in the office rolling cigars. <laughs> well, and Hector and uh, Hector and Jack Taranio seem to have a lot of time on their hands to do their show, Eckle and Jekyll. So I think they can do that you while know, they're doing the show. Wait, is that a new show? Yeah, yeah I, I saw something about. That I can't even Jack keep up with this stuff. I tell you what, I. I I like that show. I don't even, I, I'm, I'm fascinated, fascinated by the two of them. But, They're but, really great. I mean, I mean, talk about two polar opposites. Yeah. I like that show. Is, is it started yet? Yeah, they've yeah, been doing it for a couple weeks, right? Three. Yeah. Have it's you seen Wednesday it? Three, you can see it. Yeah. Have you seen any of it, Coop? Yeah. Um, I came up with the name first of all. I named the show for them. Take that credit. Well done. Absolutely. I'll tell you. you that. It said it on the show. I, I came up with the name. Okay, so yeah, it's um. It's, is it as entertaining as it sounds like it would be? It's entertaining, yes, because you know Hector and Jack, they have a pretty good dynamic together. They get guests on that they can connect to pretty easily. You know, they had Juani Lopez on a couple weeks ago. Those two um, don't need guests. Just throw them a topic. Let them talk. Absolutely. They do that too. It, they they do don't that. need they, a guest. They, literally. They bored me with fantasy football one week though. So listen to me. Uh, they got it all wrong. Skip the guest scene. Everybody's doing that. All they should do is, all week they should promote, give us a topic. Then on the air, they put all the topics in the bowl when the show starts. They pick a topic, and that's what they talk about for an hour or two. That's That would be the brilliance of that show. They don't need to book hey. guests. They don't need to talk about anybody else. That's how they should do that they're, show. I think they're both watching now. So I know Jack I is. I, I think I, I saw agree. Happen. I totally agree. Market they, the show I, all I like, week. I like let, shows like that. Yeah. Yeah, market like, the show all week. Let all your fans submit topics. Put them all in the bowl at the beginning of the show. 
they pick a topic out, and that's what they talk about. I pay to watch that every week. No, I agree. I'm agreeing with you on that. You know, I, even Carlito's Meet the Professor show, which they have some great guests on, I liked it when Carlito and Jeremiah and Jose are, are talking tobacco and, like, talking tobacco among the three of them. I think yes. that's where it's a real strength that I've seen with that. Yes, she's on that show next week. You. Are you? You, Abe. Very cool. I, I, I've made it now. I'm on the point. I'm on the Maripol. Yeah, Abe's doing it. The professor, I've that's made it. Breaking news. I have that's arrived. Breaking news. I have arrived. Yeah. All right. We, we have our, our guests to get to. Coop, uh, yep. for all the upcoming headlines and, and reviews, cigar-coop.com. Thank you for saving my ass uh, while we were having technical no difficulties. Coop saved the show. Yeah, seriously. No problem. Coop. I didn't have my mic on, and I apologize, but I wanted to obviously get you guys on as quick no, as possible. No, that's so. that's fine, man. When we when we come back from this short break, we are going to get to speak to Scott Chester, who is still on. His video is still working. His audio is still working. We're going to speak to him. Don't touch anything. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> don't yet, Scott. Don't move. All right. Don't move. We'll be right. We'll be right back after this. Keep it lit. Hola a todos, mi nombre es Elmer Suárez de La Flor de Copal en Honduras. My name is Ernesto Cranwinkel and I'm from La Romana, Dominican Republic. Hola, mi nombre es Diana, soy de Manizales, Colombia. Días, Freddy Molina desde Estelí, Nicaragua. Hola amigos, saludos a todos. María Santis, orgullosa de ser puertorriqueña. Cheers, I'm Oliver, I'm from London, England. I love H. Uman Añejo. My favorite H. Upman Dominican cigar is the H. Upman Banker. My favorite H. Upman cigar is the Herman's Batch. Favorite H. Upman is the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Mi cigarro favorito is H. Upman Española. I highly recommend you try the H. Upman 175th anniversary, awarded number 10 cigar of 2019. One world together with H. Upman. Surgeon General Warning. Cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Welcome back, everyone, to KMA Talk Radio. I am your host, Honest Abe, with my gang, Paul, the Italian scallion in the Southpaw from South Philly, Alex Tavella, who's currently on bathroom break. But uh, we, had, <laughs> we had an interesting first segment of the show. Also in-house is one of our dear contributors, the Coo- Scoop with Coo- William Cooper. What's up, buddy? So, Hey, guys. During the first hour when we normally would introduce our, our uh, Meet Your Maker guest, we had a little technical difficulties, but it's all right. We saved it now for hour two. Um, so those of us who didn't have a background, uh, we have on today Scott Acid Chester from Acid NYC. People? who has a very deep history in the cigar business, especially Drew Estate brand. Scott, welcome. First time ever KMA Talk Radio. Scott, you, welcome. Man. How are you guys? Good to We're see you. We're doing good, buddy. You're looking good as always, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. So, you Scott, guys awesome. Huh? Scott, I want to get right into it because, you know, I want to make sure we get it. you got such an amazing and stories of what transpired with your with your career and how it entangled in the cigar industry. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing industrial design and, and, and being a designer. Well, um, you know, as a kid in Brooklyn, it was a situation where we didn't have, you know, the the toys that everybody else had. And, you know, we were kind of uh, working class and, 
um, basically, I ended up making toys and things to play with as a child. So I would make a fleet of spaceships out of pin caps and, and you know, <laughs> instead of buying army men or whatever, I'd make all my own stuff. Uh, later on, we moved to Atlanta and um, my mother has family there. And so uh, they had a little bit of property and I would design my own towns in this in the in the dirt field with Tonka trucks and things like that. So as a kid, I was developing and designing and uh, I just didn't know what it was. Um, I ended up going by coincidence or by luck to uh, High School of Art and Design in New York. And uh, shout out to those people. And um, that's why I discovered industrial design. Industrial design is the uh, study of of how to mass produce things. Um, so once you learn how to design, you just put that eye to whatever project you're working on and uh, whatever passion you have. So that's uh, how I got into industrial design. Did you continue your education after Barton? I went to, uh, from high school of art and design, I went, I did city of school, which is a program where you work in the industry uh, for your last uh, basically two years of high school. And I uh, ended up working in a graphics agency for those years during the time when Coca-Cola uh, was uh, releasing new Coke. So I got oh, kind geez. of behind the scenes. Yeah, that was a, that was major for me. That was, that taught me a lot about marketing and, and what these guys were doing to get us to drink more Coca-Cola, you know? So let me ask you something then. Yeah. Was that, was that whole thing a ploy? A ploy? Uh, well, I mean, was that planned? They were going to come out with new Coke. They expected the country to be divisive about it and then come out with classic Coke. Was that, that's was a that great a, question. That's oh, a I, question. I, listen to me. I totally, my whole life have believed yeah. that that's what it was. I don't some, think, I think they went into it, and Scott, you can tell me whether I'm conspiracy theory or not, but I went into this believing that that was the plan to revitalize the original Coke brand. They were going to make it new, talk about a change of recipe, uh-huh. and market it, and they figured half the country would be upset, just like anything you change. I mean, sure. look, look at Americans. You can't change a, a, a label without everybody freaking out, right? Right. Yeah. And, and they had already in the design of the marketing that this classic Coke would then come out. Now, you could tell me how far mm-hmm. off or crazy I am. No, you're pretty spot on. I'll, I'll tell you, somebody must have walked into a meeting and said, how can we sell three times as much Coca-Cola in the next month and a half, two months? Let's and, take it away uh, from everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, well, you yeah. take it away and you put something there that they don't know about. And even if you hadn't had a Coke in a month or two, uh, you know, guess what you were drinking that day? You know, huh, you were right, drinking right. the new Coke to see what it tastes like. Uh, and then, of course, you know, once uh, the old Coke came back a month and a half later, you had to try both. So now you're buying twice as much Coke as you would in a normal night at a nightclub in Miami. I mean, uh, sorry, uh, you know. When you're when you're drinking yeah. when, you're, when you're drinking lunch or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I mean, listen. I've always personally be- believed that was one of the greatest marketing schemes I ever. Agree. I mean, but I never had it verified. No, I mean, no one's ever verified it. But uh-huh. I've always thought that that was just like genius, one of the most genius marketing things in my lifetime that I've seen. And, yep. and, and you know, based on theory. But yeah, I, I totally, I totally think that they were planning on 
bringing the classic back after a point. Why would you get rid of it? I mean, there's no. Well, I, no, there's no. There's the only reason is to tease whoever right? the audience was. I mean, I don't know how old I was back then. You know what year that was? Oh, man, that was uh, 1984, 83, 84. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. 84, I'm 12 years old. Oh, man. Okay. And I'm smart enough to already realize that uh, why, would you, why would you take the number one selling brand that everybody in the hey, world loves and take I, it off the shelves? What's the rationale in that? The rationale is to destroy Pepsi. Right. Destroy them. Right. You know? But they had, to, they had to know that it wasn't going to go away. Uh, no. You they know, just wanted to get they, everybody hyped up about it again. But no, you know, no one's certain about tomorrow. So of course they're going to buy and put it this way. Uh, once, once, you know, once people found out that the old Coke was going off the shelves, they hoarded it. Yeah. You know, so it was a great ploy all the way around. My dad was, we were in the grocery business. So I grew up working it, man. I, dude, huh. people were pissed. Yeah. Like, come to the store. <laughs> Any more of that old Coke left? I don't want this new Coke back. <laughs> right. <laughs> They yeah, were pissed, yeah. man. I, I kept saying to myself, why? Why would you take this off? I mean, they would release new stuff variations all the time. You know, cherry, right. cherry vanilla. Why not just make a Coke too? You know, right. why 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 take the 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 champion off the all out of the ring, you because know? Because you can sell you can sell both of them. You know, they you can created, sell all of them. They created their own demand. Right. Yeah. Exactly. They created their own hyped demand for their own product. It was genius. Right. And if you drank RC Cola or Pepsi or any other cola, you still, you know, you wanted to be in, you wanted to know what other people knew. And so you bought right. the new Coke to, to taste it and compare it. It's a very, right. very interesting time to be in, in graphics and in, uh, in, in advertising, you know. Show of hands real quick. Mm. Coke guys. Pep, really three. Pepsi guys. Yeah. Of course. Hey, we're on the same page. <laughs> Pe Pepsi guys uh, tended to like the new Coke because it had more sugar. Pepsi. Well, you know, here's the funny thing. And, you know, Chicago is, you know, labeled the second city. Yeah. But all the number two American brands are strong in the Chicago, own Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Pep Pepsi's number one in Chicago. Wow. Is that true? Where did Pepsi originate? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Listen to me. I don't know now. It's 20 years later. Yeah. Like, I haven't lived in Chicago in 20 years. Growing up in Chicago, Pepsi was without a doubt owned Chicago. Okay. In the ballparks, it was in the stadium. Pepsi owned Chicago. Uh, uh, Coke did uh, not win in Chicago. All right. Um, uh, same thing with listen. Oddly, now I'm thinking about it, Howard Stern never made it in Chicago. He could not beat Mancow. Wow. Mancow, really? Yeah. All the number two guy. All the number two things succeeded in Chicago. Wow. Another one, Miller. Chicago's a Miller town. It's not a Budweiser town. Wow. You know, now this, I'm going 20 years ago, but as I look back on it, all the number two brands seem to thrive in Chicago over the well, number anybody one. Anybody got a number two brand, they should head to Chicago right yeah. now. Right. Yeah, <laughs> right? That's where it's going to go. All right, yeah. so Scott. Yes. You're doing industrial design, right? You, yeah. you left your tenure with Pepsi. You started your own company? Uh, basically, I, I went to college. Uh, college. To, uh, yeah, I went to Center for Creative Studies, College of Art and Design in Detroit. So oh, wow. I was in Detroit for two years, studying uh, industrial design, uh, transportation design, automotive design. And uh, I transferred uh, from there to I, I, a lot of things happened in Detroit. It was a very interesting time to be there. 
Um, uh, John DeLorean was around. Uh, we had access to Ford's uh, design facility as, as a college. And so I met a bunch of big designers over there doing, you know, big car projects like the Sable at the time. And uh, the uh, Mercur XR4Ti, if anyone remembers that car, uh, they're big in Europe. Um, so from there, I met a bunch of people and I, I transferred to Pratt Institute in New York for uh, product design. Product design uh, is a lot faster moving, meaning, uh, you know, a car you can back those days, you could develop it. It would take seven years from inception to when it when it was released. I'm sure it's faster now with computers and so on. Uh, but uh, back then, it took a long time, and I didn't really want to be stuck on a project for seven years. And wow, a lot of can you imagine work. working yeah. on something and not see it come to fruition for seven years? What yeah. does that mean? You get to produce three different cars in your lifetime? You know, well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, you had yeah. chief of design staff, and then you had guys that did everything in the middle. The, the body guys, the right. detail guys, the dashboard guys, the steering wheel guys. And, you know, everybody sculpted their thing out of clay. Now they cut it out of lasers and 3D, clay 3D that printers. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. So uh, from there, I transferred to Art Center. I mean, uh, um, Pratt Institute. Pratt Institute, I took uh, industrial design, product design. So I did some things for the GE Future House project. And uh, I did some tool design work. And uh, I transferred from there to Art Center in California, but I had a little, um, I don't know, how would you say, stumble, uh, basically, because, uh, oh, man, it was just a, a wild time, and I was broke, and it was just like living out of my car and, wow. and uh, finally hanging out with a bunch of guys and sleeping in their house and then selling my camera so I could pay them something. You know, and then there was an earthquake, which was the first time I'd felt one of those. But, um, you know, I ended up, of course, toward the very end of that, um, a young lady that I was dating at the time got pregnant. And um, I decided to come back to New York and make it work with her. And um, we, we were together. My daughter is uh, now she's 30, which I shouldn't mention but uh you know <laughs> back in those days uh you know we um got a little place in brooklyn and i started really uh, uh mountain biking was was becoming huge and so i got into the mountain biking scene which was a lot of product design as well and um uh, from there i got into motorcycles okay and uh, did a lot in the motorcycle industry as far as uh, custom paintwork and design. Uh, bikes got in magazines and videos. And uh, uh, that was around the time where uh, Drew Estate, uh, well, it wasn't Drew Estate at the time, but John right. and Marvin Samuel uh, got their office upstairs in, in the same building. Now, how so old are you at building? Go ahead. How, how old are you at this point? Uh, man. 29 maybe hold on let's see in uh oh sorry let's see uh 90 is 26 so it was uh it was uh 89 90 uh okay so it was uh i was yeah it was 20 i was uh 36 i think let's see right, you're so close to 30 now this is your company at this time is called acid a-c-i-d yeah. and if i remember correctly Mm -hmm. uh, from what you've told me probably almost 20 years ago, 
That yeah. was named after your daughter, Ariel Chester Industrial Design. Yep. Mm -hmm. How about that for a memory? Yeah. So, so um, yeah. So the you're in like a that. spot. You're in like a spot in this studio, just for those of us that know the area, right by yeah. the Manhattan Bridge, right? Right, right. No notorious and notorious for like people doing some not so savory things there. Well, correct? this is the thing. At the time, <laughs> uh, when I got there, it was 1998 or 1997. 1997. And uh, I had had a shop out in Queens that I worked, and there was a lot of, you know, weirdness going on in that shop. And uh, I, I kind of distanced myself from those guys and found another gentleman who was doing what I was doing and we collaborated. We got, but down in that neighborhood at the time, it was a pretty much abandoned buildings. And yeah, this, is the, this is the area they call Dumbo, right? Dumbo, down under Manhattan under Bridge overpass. That's what right. Dumbo stands for. Yep. So right now it's prime real estate. And I go down there and I'm seeing. Prime real estate, abandoned. super expensive, gorgeous. But back yeah, in the well, day, it was not so. No, it was it was truck parking and uh, and uh, the mafia used to dump bodies back there because <laughs> no one was around. So you, you'd come home from a nightclub. Uh, I used to paint nightclubs back then as well with a bunch of friends of mine. And uh, so we'd get free access to a bunch of nightclubs. And then we'd come back home four in the morning, whatever, five, six in the morning. And you'd see legs hanging out of a garbage <laughs> truck. And you My knew, God. or hanging out of a dumpster, and you knew what you know what was going on. Wow. So uh, yeah, but it it was the most beautiful uh, postcard picture of downtown Manhattan views from from Dumbo. So it was it was a you know it was just amazing to be there, and I couldn't understand why these buildings were abandoned. I looked up and found later a building that was uh, developing, uh, one of those big storage buildings. And uh, so I got a huge studio on the third floor uh, for about 600 bucks a month. And that was great. And upstairs in the building, the building is a whole square block. So I could work on motorcycles and then take them up to the sixth floor where there was nobody and ride them in the dead of winter <laughs> during a, a blizzard, ride them 40 miles an hour in the building. Inside. You know, yeah. So that was, uh, you know, I, that was, I don't know, two years worth of, of extra space. And, and, you know, I built my career there. And um, after they developed the fifth floor, I guess they started renting, and John and these guys got their space. And uh, I'm downstairs, and we're waiting for... Uh, 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 the Japanese uh, media film crew was coming to film some stunts and talk about the studio and so on. Your so I had studio. The Rough Riders come Your studio. Over. Yeah, my studio. Right. And are we uh, talking like DMX Rough Riders? We're talking about DMX Rough Riders. He wasn't there, but the rest of them were, and uh, they were they were wrenching on their bikes and you know smoking cigars and smoking everything. Whatever. You know? <laughs> and uh, at ten in the morning, it's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, drinking beer and whatever. Right. And that morning I'd come in, uh, I don't know, super early, I guess 7.30 in the morning to prepare. And there was a sign in the in, in the uh, a, a paper on the wall, the elevator, that said free showcase. So I was like, oh, I need a showcase. I got trophies from bike shows and that stuff and helmets to display. And so I'm like, I'm, yeah, I took the sign off the wall. No one else getting this showcase. I'm getting this showcase. <laughs> so I go upstairs. Smart. I make a phone call. And um, a guy named Mike Hyatt answers. Who I didn't oh, know. I remember Mike Hyatt. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I think he was doing their accounting for a while, or like you like they're their yeah exactly CFO guy. Yeah, oh, exactly. that's a name from the past. Hey, he's the commissioner of uh, street uh, street fairs in Brooklyn right now. Really? Yeah, he's a big shot. You do, you, do, you, do you still contact him or talk to him? I haven't talked to him in two years, but oh, uh, that's, we well, that's way sooner than me. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. So I anyway, I, uh, I don't think I talked to Mike Hyatt since he left, which is, I mean, in the early, early years. Years ago, yeah. Really? Before before Drew State moved to uh, new, before they moved to Miami, you know. Right. Kinda... Really. So anyway, he I answer he answers the phone, and I said, "Hey, listen, uh, I'm I'm going to pick up that showcase." So he says, uh, well, you know, we already promised it to a moving company. So I'm like, oh, well, you know, what time are they showing up? And he goes, they're supposed to be here at noon. So I'm like, all right, if they're not there at 12.01, I'm coming up to get it. And he's like, okay. So we hang up. My day goes on. The guys are wrenching. We're drinking. Everyone's talking. We're getting ready for this uh, this uh, film crew to show up. Uh, they're supposed to be there at 2 o'clock. So like 1.30. I look up and I'm like, wait a minute, where's, you know, these guys, let me call this guy see if the guys picked up that showcase. So uh, I got like six or seven guys in the shop now, you know, big guys, black jackets, motorcycle mm-hmm. helmets and whatever, just, you know, looking like Mad Max. And the place <laughs> is full of smoke. It's loud music. It was great. And uh, so I call upstairs and I said, hey, did they pick it up? And he said, no, they're not here yet. So I said, I'm coming up to get it right now. So I'm like, come on, guys, let's go. And so me and the Rough Riders went up there, and uh, I knock on the door. It's two floors up, and uh, somebody opens the door. I can't remember who. But I'm looking in their office, and it's nothing but boxes, desks, and paperwork, and cigars everywhere, humidors, cigars, cigar boxes, prototypes of different things, whatever. And like almost five people sitting in one little room, you know, there was a second room. Marvin was on that side. But uh, Jonathan looks up and he looks down and he goes, who are you, Lenny Kravitz? I'm like, I got more talent in my pinky than Lenny Kravitz. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, no slight to Lenny. He's, he's a great guy. So uh, I actually met him once. Nice. Later. But anyway, um, Walked into the place with these five or six guys, and they started moving furniture and boxes so we could get the showcase. And uh, so, you know, we got the showcase out. Jonathan's like, oh, what do you guys do? So I'm like, oh, you know, it's hard to explain. You should really come downstairs and see what's going on. So, uh, he, he, you know, we all go back downstairs. We move the showcase in. And basically, Jonathan walks into a smoky room with Japanese girls and motorcycles and, you know, smoke. And uh, it was just like a, you know, a, a young guy's fantasy, I would say. And um, so that that's how we met. And uh, we became friends. They, they would, I would go, I'd work till eight in the morning usually, and then go crash out. I lived in the studio at that time, uh, which was illegal, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I slept on the other side of the wall from the spray booth. So I had to keep the wow. fan running all night to make sure the exhaust <laughs> was sucking in. clear out the auto body right. paint, yeah, the fumes. So anyway, um, they would come down, John and Marvin, every day for lunch. You know, they, they'd basically wake me up, you know, they'd come down. We'd, we'd, uh, well, we'd the industrial designer's life, you work yeah. like 
7.30 to 6 in the morning. Right, exactly. I mean, that's know? what you do. I mean, he, he can't be interrupted when you get the creative juices flowing, well, right? So, it, I, I, If I'm painting, it's like nine solid hours of no interruptions. Uh, you yeah. know, you're dealing with chemicals drying and hardening. You're dealing with uh, dust situations. So the less you let something sit around, the less dust it gets. You know, so, um, yeah, so we would we would uh, eat lunch and then they'd go up and do their thing and I'd do my thing. Uh, so we became really friendly, you know, and uh, I guess it was about six or eight months into it. They were about to do the RTDA, uh, which was the uh, Retail Tobacco Distributors uh, Convention in Vegas. Yeah. Which before now is the CPA. And the yeah, CPR. Which, in it, which yeah. before was the I Need CPR. Yeah. I Need so, CPR. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so they, you know, they were, they came to my studio for lunch. My studio had a window in it and uh, to keep it separate from the rest of the shop. And uh, so John's sitting on the wall and uh, Marvin goes out to the bathroom and they're, they're not talking, neither one of them. And I'm like, you know, going through my stuff and telling them what's going on and whatever. And they're just sitting there. And uh, so Marvin goes out to the bathroom and then he, he, he you know, Jonathan immediately goes, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, it's the first words he said all day. I'm like, whoa, what's going on, you know? And then I hear the door slam, and I hear, I, I look out my little window, and I see Marvin going, ooh, you know? And uh, like, what the hell? What's going on with these guys, you know? <laughs> and uh, so Marvin comes in, and John's like, yo, you could do it. And I'm like, could do what? And he said, like, you could develop the, uh, the uh, graphics and the design work for the company. And um, basically what had happened was they had a financier uh, to basically bring their show to Vegas. And um, they lost the financing in one way or another. I don't really uh, know the fine details of that. But they, they lost the, the brand that they were going to bring. Uh, because that brand was owned by somebody else, and uh, so Typical they had their other stuff. Cigar. Yeah, yeah. They 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 um had their own brand, but uh, you know when we talked about it, it was like uh, it, it wasn't authentic to me. You know, I, I had been smoking cigars since I was I guess 26 or so, and uh, really got into it deeply as you do when you're younger. Um, and, you know, scotch and all those things were really important and the flavor profiles and palate and so on. Um, so basically, you know, we decided that we would have to do something that really uh, was was American. I, I, I got to put it that way. Um, you know, for the American palate, it's what what uh, people like to smoke. You know, we're not uh, drinking no, wait, coffee. You, you, you didn't finish telling us what the pitch was. So they came to you. And they said, uh, you could do it for us. What were they looking yeah. for at the time? Well, they were looking for someone to do the graphics for their brands. And, okay. uh, and so and they, I, they didn't have a name or nothing at the time. No. Uh, they, the, the idea was uh, one of their brands was La Vieja Habana. Right. And I was like, okay, so uh, no one's going to believe La Vieja Habana coming from us. And they were like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, two Jewish guys and a black guy from Brooklyn. Not really La Vieja Habana, you know what I mean? 
And and the other thing was that neither one of us, none of us spoke Spanish at the time. So that was kind of like, it wasn't realistic. Let's, let's, you know, now I would say, uh, maybe it's not even now, it's not realistic. <laughs> but, uh, vieja Esteli, maybe, you know. But uh, which would be a good idea. You guys should listen to that one. There you go. Trademark. <laughs> trademark. Hold on. Always I got to make a call. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I said, you know, we got to do a brand and, and uh, we got to talk to the motorcyclists out there because those are my people. And, you know, the truck drivers and the car guys and that and all, you know, those guys and uh, a lot of the car girls and, as well. So basically what we did was we developed a flavor profile that we thought would work with, uh, instead of fine scotches and all that, sometimes, you know, it's beer and pizza. And, you know, if your cigar doesn't go well with beer and pizza, you know, it's not really going to go well. And it's not going to go everywhere. Let's put it that way. Right. If you, if you only buy it because you're in the brick and mortar, then you know, it's not going to sell as, as, as well as something that you smoke on a tailgate, you know? So uh, we wanted it to go everywhere. We wanted it to, to fit well in, in, in a cigar bar, but we also wanted it to fit well out in the, the real world where people are driving hours in a truck and smoking a cigar, you know? How did the development of using the acid name happen? And more so using uh, your silhouette, which has become now, the world recognized symbol for acid cigars. Well, what, what we were doing was uh, developing several different brands at a time to bring to the show. So we had Acid, uh, which was our kind of high tech brand. And then we had Natural, which was the uh, kind of um, holistic feeling brand, you know? And uh, also, uh, you know, we did the La Vieja Havana, we did the Sportsman's Reserve, which was a, a, a you know a less expensive cigar for people who were looking for bundles and large amounts and whatever. So um, you know we developed those things, but the acid was the one that I really put. I, mean, I did the same thing for natural. I put equal energy into natural as well, but uh, acid was the one that we were. It was the the 747 that had to take off. So, um, you know, we put all our fuel and energy and effort into making sure that was the flagship brand. And I, I wanted, you know, Acid is, uh, is the studio that people knew at the time. I was in magazines and, you know, TV shows in Europe and in Japan and so on. So uh, it was one of those things where, you know, people already recognize that. Right. So you had a little name recognition already. Right. With Acid. Exactly. So from there we moved on and uh, built on top of that. So that's really, you know, how it happened. And then Marvin was, he was annoying me for, he's like, we need a logo. We need a logo. We need a logo. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, we need, we got to shoot the logo. All we got to do is shoot it. I already know what it is. So, you know, and he's like, well, do it. we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to do it. So I'm like, oh, okay, we'll do it right now, right now. <laughs> like I went outside. I was working. I can totally a, mental mentally see this conversation in Marvin's fashion. I, I, you know, Marvin's good at motivating people. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so uh, um, you know, I grabbed the bike that I was working on at the time. I brought it downstairs, and they were filming Shaft, uh, the car crash scene on my block at that that evening. 
And uh, so we used their lights, meaning they had lights set up and they were taking a break. And so we kind of just rolled our <laughs> shit in there and like, you know, set up and whatever and took some quick pictures. A gentleman photographer by the name of Ashman Walcott, who was uh, my God partner. Rest, in, God rest in, his soul. Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he passed on a motorcycle. Um, and it was uh, one of those things that, that made me appreciate my friends uh because you know he's no longer around you miss him. so even though you guys abe i haven't talked to you in a while but i i you know i appreciate that you're still around i still you know keep up on what you're doing and uh thanks brother and so yeah you know i tell the story all the time because I, I, we flew up when mm -hmm. we did the we, we did the ming project which has yes. kind of slowly been revitalized this year by some cigar media people uh kevin uh, shahan in particular uh right. uh that i flew up to yeah. New York for that photo shoot specifically. I had to borrow a girl for you to stand next to. And uh, what was your name? She was beautiful. Oh man! It's on the movie poster name. I gotta look it up. But this Her girl was beautiful. Vicky Tay. Vicky Tay. This yeah. girl was beautiful, and 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 she looks like a very petite little woman in front of me, holding an open box of Ming, and I'm standing behind her in this big, right. you know, presence. Exactly. But that girl was like six three. Uh, she was, yeah, she was pretty tall. You, yeah, you, she you was standing on something. Yeah, they had me standing on something, and she was sitting yeah. in a chair. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Ashman, Ashman worked on that, that photo yeah. shoot and, and passed not that long ago. It was that year, shortly after doing that. Yeah, yeah. It was, I remember it was, that. It was, uh, so anyway, um, you know, he was, uh, there for, for a lot of the development of the graphics and so on. He was the multimedia part of the company. And um, so then from that point, uh, we went to IPCPR. We brought, we brought pieces of fence. We brought fountains with smoke. We just put on a show to bolster the fact that we didn't really have much uh, history. You know, we didn't have we didn't have any money. You know, Marvin's parents refinanced their house. Uh, John's father did some sales uh he owned a antique situation out in long island and uh he you know somehow the money got together marvin sold his car even you know so it was just one of those things where we were all making sacrifices i was working ashman and i were working without getting paid so it was one of those things where you know we would the work and then we would get you know once things started going we'd get paid just to take the stress financial stress off of what was going on in the company at the time. Now, you guys never worked for Drew Estate. You weren't an employee of Drew Estate. That was never the arrangement. You no. just were a contributor um, and, and I guess had some kind of a licensing agreement with them, yeah? Right, exactly, yeah. Uh, you know, we developed the logo and the brand, so I owned that. And, uh, and they developed the cigars, but we had, you know, the first right of refusal, which means if we didn't like something we uh you know it, it would be taken out or whatever so they had to get approval everything that had to do with acid anything else we did you know other work uh but they you know they were in control of that right ultimately they were in control of everything but um you know it was one of those things where where there were certain things they didn't know uh like for instance uh, you know marvin wanted an ad and i'm like well you don't do an ad you do a campaign and the campaign lasts more than than the ad. You a know, single you ad. Do, yeah, and it's it's not just one ad in one paper. It's 
it's radio, it's it's a tagline, it's all these different things that that it's a whole package for whatever brand, and each one is different. So it's multifaceted, you know. Um, and you know, he found that out, and we all learned together. You know, we all grew, but you know, I knew that advertising part, I knew the uh, mass production part, and I knew the uh, graphics. You know, what was impactful. You know, having worked with Tropicana and Coca-Cola and all those kind of things in my early years. Um, you know what? And during the Coca-Cola thing, I was 16. Wow. I was 16 because I it was I, I went to college at 17. And uh, so half of the year I was uh, I was working on the, at the graphics agency. I was I was 17. But I started when I was 14. So uh, I started when I was 15. So, I, you know, as a young mind, I just absorbed things. And this is before computers where you had uh, stat machines and you had to do photographs and airbrush retouching and that kind of thing. No now, now, at some point, you, you had made motorcycles, right? I know you had a Yankees motorcycle. You, you yeah. were doing these events with these motorcycles that you had custom painted, some beautiful pieces. Right. You had a Mountain Dew motorcycle, if I remember yes. correctly. Yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. those are the two bikes we had at one of my locations early on at one point. Ah, that's um, true. Yeah, but then you got into cars. Uh, well, you know, when I got to Miami, I got bigger studio, and that means bigger projects. Right. So uh, we started you did a donk car for Jewish Yeah, we did, uh, I did two of them actually, uh, one for the company and one for Jonathan himself. So the one we did for the company was, uh, I mean, it was outlandish. It was ridiculous. It's the one in the poster. Right. So, uh, I'll. Post them got, on. Uh, Paul's got it. He'll put it up. Okay. Uh, Paul's I, I, got I, the I, big I, car. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now, now, was this the car that eventually got stolen? Yeah, yeah. This dog car really. got stolen. All right. Yeah. <laughs> in Miami? Tell us the story. No, it got stolen in Atlanta, actually. <laughs> so, this is the, the situation was that they listed every stop that the car would make all around the country. In case you wanted to rob it, here's the right. intent of where the car <laughs> Right, exactly. So I said to them, I said, listen, this is the number, get LoJack for this car. So if right. anything happens to it, they can locate it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay, we'll do that. And two weeks <laughs> later, did you get LoJack yet? No, no, well, we're gonna do it. Somebody, John has to do it because he owns the car, the, the title, this and that. Okay, did you get it? No. Did you get it? No. Did you get it? No. So then, you know, I let it go after a while. Look at that a car. A lot was happening that year. I actually got married and used the car in my wedding. So we drove it around uh, Manhattan and did our wedding photos with it and so on. Uh, then we shipped it down to uh, uh, Atlanta to do that event. Uh, I went to that event. Uh, for some reason, it was funny because... We had been driving the car all over Manhattan, you know, potholes and everything. And uh, when we got to Atlanta, we were taking the car out of the trailer and a bolt came out and the, the front suspension fell. And, you know, had I been driving, the wheels would have gone in two different directions. You know? Oh, my right. God. So, uh, so some gentleman, thank God somebody was there who was a car guy and he happened to have tools. And we fixed that right in the trailer and backed it out, put it, it was in Cumming, Georgia, if I remember correctly. Tobacco World, actually, that's where it was. Oh, I know that store. Yeah, yeah. So Red was there at the time. Yeah, so anyway, Red. 
yeah, good, good, uh, good event, barbecue and the whole thing. And, uh, and uh, they, I, I left. I had to fly to Miami. And uh, the car was supposed to come down a week later. And so they did some other things with it. And they put it back in the trailer. And then they went to eat. And somebody was watching. And they destroyed the transmission of the truck, towing it, separating the, the truck from the uh, trailer. And then wow. they just hooked up the trailer and took the whole trailer. Right. So, Which is really it. crazy because the beauty of that car, on top of it being a, a car, was the paint job. Yeah. And you can't yeah. drive around with it. Every- I was just going to say that. Looking yeah. at the picture, I'm like, what are you going to do with this? No, that's not it. That's a different one. Oh, I mean, there's yeah, no way. Yeah. It doesn't. It, it could be, you know, in Probably Central America somewhere. by now. Right, exactly, right? exactly. But I, I, I really think that, that uh, what they do with those kind of cars, when they chop a car, they sell the parts before they steal it. Okay, so right. you get the motor, you get the rear end, you get the wheels. We'll take the body and they know where everything is going. Yeah, and then strip it all down and sell the parts. They're not, they don't, you know, they're not art lovers, so right. they're car thieves. And uh, yeah. so they they took the car and uh, theoretically, it's uh, I would guess right now that it's in. A matter of fact, somebody saw uh, the wheels for sale on Craigslist back then. Uh-huh. And uh, whoever had the wheels for sale didn't answer their phone or whatever it was. I'm sure. And so they never found any any part of it, if I remember correctly. So, uh, but yeah, then I did one for John also for his personal collection, and uh, he had that at the uh, I think it was IPCPR in in uh, Orlando. People might have seen it. He actually drove it. So. Yeah, those those projects are, are fun and interesting, and uh, I have a video of me doing the uh, the second one for John. I'll post all those things on my Instagram. Yeah, that's cool. Cool. Right. Coop, I don't want let you me, to feel me... stifled. If you got questions, just jump on in. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you. So, Scott, when did your relationship with Drew Estate come to an end? That's a great oh, question. Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, 2014 was the year that, uh, you know, we had been going back and forth about about them trying to buy the mark. And so I went through uh, with a lawyer that I had had from the beginning uh, what it would take. And we did future value and so on. And uh, and, you know, we came to a number and then I cut it in half. Wow. And I presented that number because, you know, future value can get inflated. We didn't know the future and I wasn't raping the guys. You know, I just knew that they wanted the mark and we figured that okay. uh, this would be a fair price. Um, and so then uh, they were like, oh, well, you know, that's outlandish. That's too much and whatever, whatever. And that's wow. what I do when I'm negotiating for a car. So I'm not mad at them. Uh, yeah, but then, I'm like, well, if you can't afford a Ferrari, you can't afford it. Nice. And that, was, that was it. You know, that, that killed it for a year or two. And I had paid lawyers to, to do all this work and whatever. So, I, you know, I took I paid. It wasn't a, a, a big deal. The deal fell through. No issue. Um, and when we went on, there was no bad blood or anything. Went to Nicaragua. They were building the big factory. And, and uh, you know, it came up again, I guess, in 2013 toward the middle. And uh, and so, you know, we redid the lawyers and the accounting and the money and whatever. Did the price and go up? It was, 
Yeah. Oh, by far, yeah. <laughs> you know, further on into the future. <laughs> so, you know, building a factory. I mean, come on. Yeah, price went up. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, it was a successful brand. They knew it. You know, uh, Swisher also was getting involved at that point. Oh. So, uh, yeah, Swisher. They were doing uh, Gold uh, Goldman's cigar. I can't remember what it's called now. Or, Something. Uh, the Royal, uh, the, the, Royal, the, yeah, the Royal, Royal Gold. Gold. Or yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so they were doing well, and they had money behind them at this point. It wasn't like a mom and pop thing anymore, you know. It was, right. it was real, and uh, you know. And the thing was also at that point, all you know, we were all in three different directions. Jonathan was in Nicaragua. I hadn't seen him in a year and a half. Or yeah, you know, I'd seen him in, 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 at events here and there, but we hadn't hung out and chilled. I think there was one time that we went to his apartment in Manhattan and, and chilled out. But, uh, you know, we were in different worlds. I was doing my thing and uh, I was uh, le- leeching into fashion a little bit. My wife, was, uh, wife is very well known in the fashion universe. Yes, Evelyn? Yeah, well, she, her, her, she designed for Diane von Furstenberg and that she was a big name. And yeah. uh, she's also the head of the CFDA, which is the fashion uh council so anyway uh she was a big wig and and uh my wife you know she had been there for 13 years and she decided that she would see what else life had you know in store and we were together finally at that point and uh so basically uh we decided to all the sketches and little things that i had uh, as far as swag was concerned like you know sweatsuits and Right. You made me that you made me that burgundy sweatsuit once. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it wasn't, you know, we have those in stock. It was like uh, an item that we had mass produced. So just we had your size. Yeah. Well, for me, that's a custom. (laughs) So um, so basically uh, we decided to do our own line. And uh, at that point, I didn't have to do as much travel. The the main thing that killed it was the travel because, you know, you're. You're waking up in different cities. You don't know where you are when. And it's, it's Thursday, so I must be in Cincinnati. You know, you miss your friends, your home. You can't get anything done at home because you're, you know, you got to leave in a couple of days. It's, it's, it was a kind of crazy situation. So several years of that uh, will, will kind of make you appreciate uh, being a little stable, you know. So to get us back on track, you guys revisit this deal. and. Uh-huh. And it happened at that point? Uh, yeah, it was one of those things where they agreed to my number. <laughs> and uh, the thing was, my, my lawyer, who had been through this whole thing before, was kind of, yeah, I don't know, maybe he was not focused. Uh, several things were going on in his life. And uh, and he was like, you know what, this was all they're going to give you. And I said, no, it's impossible. It's, you know, the, the, the it's. I'm making more than that. Just that, you know, I might as well not do the deal. Right. So I, I found a guy uh, uh, through my daughter's mom, who's a industrial psychologist. Uh, she's a real genius, amazing woman. Um, I found a, she found me a lawyer who, who enjoyed cigars, you know, and not just in a, in a small way, you know, he was a, he was deep into it. It was a hobby for him. Uh, wow. that he took really seriously and uh, he was an amazing guy and so he revisited all the paperwork that I had shown him and uh, that I had shown the other lawyer 
and um, and he came up with a really realistic number. And uh, and so at that point, I presented that number and and uh, the guys at Drew Estate were OK with it. Um, they had backing and they could handle it and they you know presented it to their people and everybody talked and, you know, so then they they said, yeah, OK, we'll do it. Yes. Yes, this is good. We'll do it. And so I'm like, OK. And then so I'm you know, I'm not really waiting because, you know, they had said that before. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, like a month goes by, a month and a half, two months. And, you know, I'm like, all right, well, maybe they just didn't go Change for it. Change your mind. Whatever. Right. Yeah. And one day I, I, you know, do my uh, debit card and, you know, and, and I, you know, looked at the balance. And my daughter, <laughs> like, Wait the money's there. <laughs> Hold on a second. So I call Marvin and he goes, Oh, you got it. I'm like, Oh, dude, I, you could have sent me a message and let me know that you were, you know, I almost had a heart attack. I thought it was a bank problem, you know? Wow. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was a, that was a, a good day. And at that point, remember, were you out completely? I had no other responsibility to, to the brand, okay. meaning they, they had the mark meaning they bought the mark basically mm -hmm. and uh and uh paid me out you know uh whatever the 20 year number would have been you know so uh so I'm, I'm happy that uh we got you know got that uh done and and it, you know it's their baby they're they're it's my baby sure. too uh but um you know jonathan suffered Marvin didn't suffer that much, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone suffered under Marvin. How about that? No, uh, they, they built the company, you know, and uh, they, they built the company. It was, you know, I was building my career the whole time uh, as they were building Drew Estate, um, you know, so I, I felt good about it. I knew that they were good stewards of the brand, good stewards of the mark. Um, Honestly, I don't know what happened since then, but looking um, back, on, looking back on it now, are you still happy with the deal? Yeah, a hundred percent. Can't ask for yeah. more than that. That's right. that's great, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the you know yeah. the thing that I think some people might not understand as a, as an artist, you know, listen, yeah. the money's a huge factor in all of this for for anybody, yeah. but but for you, you know, no amount of money would would probably make you give up something that was so so you know, cherished you if you didn't know it was going to people that you trusted. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. think, I think a lot of people don't, you know, you actually cared about that because this was something that you created. It was originally the, the name of the studio was named after your daughter. Like that's, that's a big deal. You know, somebody can throw you a big chunk of money, but if you think that it's going to go to shit, you, you think right. twice about it, I think. Yeah. Part of that was, uh, you know, the customers that I met along the way, you know, uh, I, I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, yeah, acid was my first cigar, you know, I really loved it. I went through it for a while and then I graduated to this. So I, I you know, I introduced my friend to acid cigars and that's how I got him started. It was 100 percent a gateway cigar for me. Yeah, I had smoked cigars well, before. My, my first ever cigar was a Toscana, but my first mm -hmm. ever premium cigar was a gift from a police officer in Northport uh, where I lived on Long Island uh, and it was a Cuba Cuba and I bought a buy it was my first box of cigars that I bought after wow. that after smoking a Cuba uh, Cuba hey I gotta tell you another first yep. uh, Drew Estate 
was the first to print on the website on the back of the band so that if you were at a wedding or something then and you liked the cigar you were smoking, you could keep the band and you could find out where to get more. Whereas normally you can keep the band and it's lost something or other. Not yeah. that that's an insult or anything, but the fact is that from that you can't, I mean, I, I guess now with the internet you can look it up, but uh, you had that band with that, that information right in your pocket. So it was, that was that? Made it easy to sell, you know? Yeah, and it was a good cigar. People really loved it, and I, I genuinely loved it. I wouldn't put my name on anything that, that was not good, you know. So Who, you whose smoke? idea was it to put the put the, the website on the band? You know, uh, I think that came out of a group meeting. It wasn't one person's idea, okay. but you know, it was us trying to, uh, you know, bring cigars into the twentieth twenty first century. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, it, it's an old world thing. A lot of things in the cigar industry are based on the old. And I right. told the guys, listen, we have to associate with things that America is known for, like high technology. NASA is something that, that America pioneered, you know, the space race. Uh, computer technology was, you know, a, a major uh, development in, in the United States. So, you know, we wanted to say, okay, we are a, a modern cigar. We are here from now to the future. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, we have some throwbacks or whatever to past ages, but, uh, you know, the techniques are all old world, but the technology is new. The infusion of the herbs and aromatics are, are, was a new thing, you know? Uh -huh. And we want yeah. to be the, the future of cigars, not uh, try to compete with the past. Abe, so, what was your question? I'm sorry. No, I, I think I forgot. Uh, I, I got sidetracked. I forgot. Well, I, I, got, I got a question, just go to ahead. go back for a second. So uh, you're going to your first Vegas show, right? You guys yeah. come rolling in with like motorcycles and are people are looking at you like, who the hell are these guys? Oh man! You know what? I gotta say, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what year. It, it's always been like that, you know. Hold on one second. Right. Uh, it's it's always been like. Yeah, you know, there was one year where where we had shoes, and I don't know if anybody even remembers that. But my uh, wife my know, wife got a pair. People were walking back the and forth. They, yeah, well, sneakers one year, shoes the next. We had oh, really? Shoes. Okay. Yeah. So people walking back and forth looking for the Drew Estate booth, and they're like, "Yeah, that's that's they're selling shoes over there." It's like, <laughs> no, 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 that's Drew Estate. <laughs> you know? Um. So yeah, they they thought we were. They didn't know what to think. I mean, you know, all of us were wearing normal clothing with no suit and tie. No suits. No, right. No, yeah. No catalog bought furniture you know all the stuff that we had scrounged from nicaragua and from brooklyn and from yeah. john's father's antique shop you know it was a it was it was it was a, a wonderful mess and yeah. and everybody involved was like a young crazy person you know i mean even rick Ardito actually was young back then so <laughs> now, now scott so, you still enjoy cigars i'm gonna assume yeah oh yeah 100 okay, so you know what abe i gotta tell you now i have i i, I feel like I enjoy cigars even more than back then. Because you don't have to worry about any business sense of it. You just enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, if I'm smoking a cigar, it's not like if someone takes a picture that I'm promoting their cigar. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. Or, or you know, I, you know, people ask you, do you only smoke acid? It's like, well, you know, do you only have Kool-Aid in your refrigerator? Right. Or do you have milk right. and wine? Right. 
juices, you know, like you got to have a full, fully developed palate and a fully you know, stocked uh, humidor. It's like you can't just have one thing. Um, so, yeah, so I enjoy cigars more now than I, than I have. Also, I'm not smoking as many as I was before. Uh, one of the things you do when you're on the road uh, is you smoke a cigar from pretty much every retailer that hands it to you, you know. And so it's it's their palate sometimes, and maybe that does competes with yours, and and you don't like peppery, or you don't like you know leathery, or you know you want a mild to medium, and they only like heavy, and you know, right. so uh, you know you you get to smoke what you like as a free person, let's say. I just want to ask, <laughs> I just got, I just gotta believe I'm I'm really hoping this happens, right? Oh, they were uh, like, are you ever in a cigar lounge, walking in the humidor, and you see somebody pick up an acid? And you say to him, he goes, hey, you know, it's me on the box there. <laughs> yeah, it ever uh, happened? Come on. All right. So there was one time I was upstate yeah. New York near, near Lake George <laughs> with, with my daughter. Even and, better. Uh, and yeah. And so uh, we're there and somebody, there's a, it wasn't even at a cigar shop. It was like at, at a, uh, at a convenience store and they had them there and, you know, in a little humidor and whatever. I was surprised. And, uh, and so the guy picks up the cigar and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, and the, the guy, the, the guy behind the counter is telling him, oh, yeah, it's a good cigar. You might like it. And, da, 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 this and, that, and whatever people buy it and they, they don't stay on the shelves and that and whatever. And um, and my daughter goes, dad, tell him, tell him, you know, <laughs> I'm like, you know. Did you, so, did you still have the dreads at the time or did you shave your head? I did. I did. Oh, and, yeah, you so know I, I shave my hair every eight years. So oh, wow. the thing is that it grows so fast. Uh, this is, I, I shaved my head completely bald like you. I remember. In, in January. I saw okay? it. So uh, late January. And it's already, you know, like if I picked it out, it would be pretty big. But wow. it's going to grow now. And you know, what happens is I get into these periods where I'm working on cars. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm welding or I'm cutting metal and, you know, you go to bed with the smell of, of you know, you take a shower or whatever, but you go to bed with that smell of metal on yeah, in yeah. your hair and, you know, brake fluid or whatever. And so whenever I was about to go through a heavy period of, of car development and car painting and design work or whatever, I would cut my hair. So that I could just, you know, I could wear a gas mask easy. Right. The hair doesn't drag into any of the chemicals that I use. So what happened with the fire? Guy just... yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that. As sparks from welding get my hair and burn. <laughs> yeah. and you know? So, yeah, so, the so your daughter's, store. your daughter's yeah. pulling you, yeah. Yeah. So she's telling me to tell the guy. And so, you know, I said, you know, I mentioned it. I said, hey, you know, I represent that brand. Uh, we're out of Miami. Da da da. And uh, I was like, oh, really? Okay, well, I'll try it, you know. And he, he left the store. But I told my daughter, I was like, you know, people, I don't know if people really uh, care. Or, route. or if people even believe, you know. Like if some guy yeah. said, hey, I, I represent Coca-Cola. And you're like, oh, really? Okay. You know. <laughs> you know. Well, because I'll you're famous. It. That was, you know? that you're famous without being, like, walking into a place being known right on the spot by a regular consumer. You know, a lot it's of the a guys silhouette. in the industry would know. Yeah, right. It's yeah. a silhouette. You would never know. Right. I was at a no, place but... uh, 
two days ago. Oh no, uh, Monday we went to Empire Social, new new place open in Miami. Are you in Miami? I'm in Miami. Okay, do you live in Miami? I live in Miami. I moved Bro. out of New York in 2010. How do you not? Co- I, I thought you moved out. I didn't know where you'd been. I didn't even realize you were still in Miami. Yeah, man. No, I'm here. Dude, I you and Evelyn got to come up, or we got to get together. We I, don't I, go north I, of Fort Lauderdale. I tell you, Fort Lauderdale. I know some good spots in between. We can meet. But in my mind, I just assumed you went back to New York. The more north you get, the more south it is. That's funny. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not Palm no, no, Beach no. County. Listen, it's north of listen, here. Hey, hey. It's funny because it's true. Yeah. Well, yeah. The thing is that now I have the time, you know? Yeah. What happened right after cigars was I got heavily into fashion. Yeah, we did New York. Yeah, New York Fashion Week, Acid NYC clothing. You guys should check it out. I mean, literally, it was designed for you guys. It's not uh, Guayaberas, but it's nice shirts, silk shirts. Uh, short sleeve, long sleeve, polos. Uh, there's some women's clothing, a lot of women's clothing there. Matter of fact, it's two thirds women's, two, uh, three fourths women's clothing and one fourth men's clothing. So if you want something nice for your wife, we have it. And a lot of people, uh, there's a, a bunch of Facebook uh, cigar smokers that uh, have contacted me and have ordered. But you can just go on acidnyc.com. You can see our fall collection, which is one of these shirts, right, that I'm wearing. It's the fall leaves. Um, and that's that's available now. So, um, you know, we, we went and did New York Fashion Week. I think we did seven shows, all told. Um, and that, that's a big undertaking. 20, oh, 31 models, actually. Uh, usually, like, six or seven men and all the rest women. So I went from... Uh, you know, hanging around a bunch of big guy, burly guys to hanging out with hundreds of models. So my life is really taking a downturn. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, I got heavily into that. And, and like everything, you know, when we were doing the cigar business, it was 100 percent. And uh, when I got into fashion, uh, I, I wanted to kind of... Uh, uh, I guess put the cigar world aside and and dive heavily into what the new uh, new thing was and and uh, so I developed gra- graphics for uh, print. You know, we we print our own fabric so you're not going to see any print in the acid line uh, anywhere else. It's it's very exclusive. It's very small small production. Um, so it's it's uh, you know and some of the shirts are two three hundred dollars but. Uh, there are there are pieces and, you know, they're, they're quality made and they're meant to be handed down if, if uh, you know, if you have a son who now fits your shirt and, and uh, you know, and, and they degrade well, they, they, they break down and become cooler. You know, it's right. it's the way we designed it to last. So if you get a chance, check it out. AcidNYC.com. We also I got to tell you guys, this is kind of uh, the funny thing that happened during covid times. Um, we developed a brand of underwear and we put it uh, for sale. It's called Right on Red Underwear. And we put it for sale on Amazon, I guess, uh, mid-November last year. And uh, since COVID times, you know, it's been selling consistently with no advertising on Amazon. Wow. Uh, And we have repeat customers, which tells you everything. We had a fireman who uh, sent in a, uh, 
a review uh, about how you know great they were and they did this and they did that and you know hugged his package and whatever <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> he didn't have to uh, keep pulling at him or whatever he could work out with him so our, our underwear has been like a, a hit kind of on the underside you know literally kind of, yeah so yeah so, <laughs> a hit on the underside literally so as long um, as, the, as, long yeah, as they so keep that, you cool i'm into them Living, oh, changing from New York to Florida, man. That's that's the hardest thing. Finding stuff that keeps you. No, not at all. <laughs> you, Why? You, what do you think? Paul, are you a tidy whitey? No, no, I wear boxer briefs since I was. I, I couldn't even tell you, 15, 16. That's a real boxer brief guy. Oop, tidy whitey. No. Oh, I totally took you for a tidy. I yeah, me too. Absolutely, absolutely not. Then you're a boxer. You're a boxer guy, right? Yeah, you're not a boxer I'm a boxer. I'm a boxer guy. I'm a boxer. I'm a boxer guy, brief guy ever since high school. Yeah, I'm a boxer brief. Boxer guy. brief, right? Yeah, yeah. ever since high school. Right. Once you, you go covered. that way, you never go back. <laughs> I would, I would agree yeah. with that. You know, I like Very a true. More support. It's than, like uh, it's like driving in a car without a seatbelt. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Scott, so if we do, we have to look up right on red, or can we get that from the Asset NYC website? Uh, on Amazon, you look up right on red, uh, sorry, Acid NYC, right on red, boxer briefs. Okay. And they come in five colors. Nice. So, uh, and we also make thongs for women and some other Oh, you better. Or yeah, for Abe oh, when man. he dresses up like a girl. <laughs> Listen, I had to do the research, so, you know. My man. Yeah. I, I want to be I want to be on the next R&D team for that project. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I remember Mike Hyatt had to hold the lights of, of some project that we were doing. He's like, call me anytime. Because you know? <laughs> girls in bikinis like call me anytime. That's funny. All right. So listen, to close out mm. the segment show uh, yeah. before we say goodbye to everybody. Hang on. I want to run a new segment. Uh, this is uh, this is our newest segment. First time it's called Who Am I? Now, Coop, if you, we're going to let the audience try to get first. Now, Paul, my my comments, like, freeze up, and I don't see new comments. Do you see the comments better or no? Yeah, I, I have live right. comments. Good, good, because I don't see it when I look at it on Facebook. So, Coop, if you know right away, let's let, the, let's let some of the fans try to guess on who this is. And uh, I'm going to read a little excerpt, and, and, and it's up to you guys to try to figure out who it is. You got the graphic, Paul? It's all up, man. Oh, yeah, okay, there you go. Who am I? Ready? I wanted to be a professor. After finishing my bachelor's degree in history, I headed off to England to obtain my master's in classics, studying Latin and Greek at the University of Exeter. It was quite a sacrifice for me to leave America at that time, because just as I departed, my beloved baseball team had reached the playoffs, and in England, no one cared about baseball or American sports in general. I watched the games on my computer each night alone, even though in England they started at midnight and ended at sunrise. When my team secured the final out to win their World Series, I had to head to class instead of being able to celebrate. The same was true later that year when my football team won their Super Bowl. Perhaps it was the loss of enjoying these championships in the good old USA with other fans, or maybe it was the prospect of another four years of post-grad work for the necessary PhD required to teach at a university. So that after graduation, I decided to return to the U.S. and became a high school Latin teacher at a where I met my future wife, who was a teacher as well. Two teachers wouldn't have much of a financially sound future, so I decided to change careers and got a job with Carnival Cruise Lines as a sales rep. 
before eventually being offered a position in the cigar industry. I didn't know much about cigars, but I once spent the summer working at a factory when I was younger and enjoyed the camaraderie of cigar smoking, how it brought people of all different backgrounds together. So my wife and I then moved to the Dominican Republic so I could learn the business, which eventually led to my job as the national sales manager of that company. Who am I? We've already got some guesses coming in. Can I know post your guesses is, in but... the comments. Scott, if you know who it is, I'll be shocked. You think? I'm going to give you it? first crack at it. A- ask me first, yeah. You yeah, first. Ask me first. Ask me first. I am. Go who ahead. is it? Who is it? Oh, right now I can say Yeah, it. right yeah. now. Oh, go for it. Uh, is it Louis Cuevas? No. 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 No, I would have been shocked no. if you got it. I, I knew Dude, it him, I him and his it. wife were teachers. And they moved to Dominican Republic. And he actually, that is true. He did. He told us on the show that they were both teachers. That is yes. true, but it's not him. Wow, that's amazing. Okay. Any other bad guesses, Paul? <laughs> uh, not, not, not from the comments. Coop, do you know who it is? I don't think I know who it is. Um, I'm not sure the comment one's right. I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I see someone. I that. see a few in the comments. Do you want me to share some of the comments, Abe? Yeah, or sure. Just, I don't or just yeah, share some of them. Oh, share both. Somebody yeah. says Tommy. I have uh, Kevin Shahan says uh, Terrence Riley. Allison Trainer says Terrence Riley. Um, Alan Rubin, the first one to comment, says Terrence Riley. Oh. So shall we – any other guesses before we go? I mean, Alex, Abe, and I know we won't moving forward with this. Only one right. person will know out of us. Um, and Scott says uh, Luis Cuevas. Yeah. All right. Let's, so, Abe, you want me to the, reveal? Yeah. Is that graphic any bigger or is that it? No, that's what. That's just the, the, the graphic itself. So I had All a right. bigger one up with you. <laughs> Look at it later. It, it looks fine. All right. All so right. I'm going to go to the big screen. going to reveal who Abe is talking about right now. Here comes the reveal, and the answer is Terrence Riley. I didn't yes. know Terrence worked for Carnival. That's yes. what threw me off. Well, the philosophical thing is when I yeah. knew Terrence. If you, if you follow Terrence's yeah. book, he's always post, posting his cigar with whatever philosophical book he's reading at the time. So let me let me read the prologue. I am Terrence Joseph Riley. After becoming sales manager of my uncle's company, Quesada Cigars, I implemented my Latin education into new cigars with names like Domus Magnus and Vitolas named after Roman emperors like Tiberius, Trahan, Hadrian, and Caligula, and Marcus Aurelius. Also known as the Great White Gringo, I now work for Agonorsa Cigars, and now you know who I am. You, wow. you wrote the Great I, White I, I Gringo the... part, right? Nope. <laughs> yeah. The carnival thing threw me off. I, it, the stuff in England, that was what made me think. And then the carnival thing, I thought maybe it was a loop. Well, the I Boston thing thinking, and, the, and the England thing or what I, I said, it, it has to be Terrence Riley. I took all the Boston references out because I tested this on 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 Val and 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 Paul and neither one. Because for me, I thought it was a little too easy because Terrence uh-huh. talks about his Latin backgrounds and stuff like that. Right, right. So I thought. I, I took a little, like he had mentioned specifically the Red Sox and the Patriots. I'm like, if I put that in there, it's going to be way too obvious. So I right. cleaned it up a little bit. I tested on Paul and Val and, they, and I think Alex too, and they didn't get it. So I thought, all right, this, this may, because I, I don't want to think if something's easy for me, it would have been easy for everybody. But yeah. it seems like our viewership, 
our viewership pretty much nailed it on the head. Well, so I we'll... said I said in that con in that text conversation, if you go back, I say it can't be Terrence. And I, for some mm -hmm. reason, I thought it couldn't be Terrence for the same reasons Coop. Like I, I had no clue about the I... teacher thing or the Carnival Cruise. I did know that he that he went over to England for school, but you know, yeah, a lot of people do suddenly that. Suddenly, watching Terrence Riley popped on. Ah. Yes. <laughs> so if you like the segment, let us know. Let us know our feedback. That was good. You like that, Coop? I that thought it was good. One. Yeah, yeah. If you like the segment, we're gonna we're gonna try to do that at least once or twice a month. Keep it interesting. Mix up a little bit of insane asylum and stuff like that. Uh, that wraps up this week's episode of KMA Radio, man. I want to thank everybody out there who uh, joined us on this fine Saturday morning with an, with an extremely entertaining and interesting interview today. Coop, as always, thanks for your time. And Scott, my man, a pleasure catching up. Yeah, really thanks, was awesome man. to yeah. talk to you, Scott. Thanks that was for having me, Scott. Scott. Yeah. And thank awesome. you to Allison. And uh, check out the Stogies and yes. Yogis. And check out, of course, uh, Acid NYC uh, for all your clothing needs. And right on red. And buy some underwear, underwear. Which is what I'm doing next. Buy some underwear. <laughs> Scott, give, give, Brand, give Evelyn uh, uh, the love from me and Brandy, Brandy and I. And uh, let's right. get together and do dinner and catch up, man. I really did not realize mentally you were down here. I, for some reason, I thought you were back in New York after no, the whole no, transition no, and buyout happened. No, now that we have time, it would be wonderful to go do it. Yeah. My girl, my Brandy would love that. Awesome. All right. Uh, deal, man. Next week, we got Carlito Fuente. Oh, my God. Big oh, week. Carlito Fuente in the house. And coming up on the news we talked about today, we should have some interesting stuff to talk about next week. Oh, yeah. Cool. Right. Very, very cool. All Is right. it the first time he's been on the show? Second. Second, okay. I think but he Carlito was in Fuente, studio or he called? No, I think Carlito Fuente, I believe, did the second episode ever of KMA. And he wow. called, and that was still when it was only an hour show. And okay. um, he called in for the Dominican Republic for that. Wow. Wow. Yes, yes. So yeah, it'll be very so cool. We'll actually get to see him. So that, that's yeah, going to be not cool. To have, try not to have any technical difficulty next week, Paul. Listen, we'll talk <laughs> about this afterwards. <laughs> All right. Peace out to everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week. Keep it lit. Keep it lit. All right. See you later, guys.